This is continuing coverage of the passing of former Prime Minister Brian Mulroney on the Chorus Radio Network with Ben O'Hara Byrne. That is the uh, official obituary from Global News concerning Brian Mulroney uh, covering off the entire legacy. We're still with Ben O'Hara Byrne from Victoria this evening. Ben O'Hara Byrne is the host of A Little More Conversation with Ben O'Hara Byrne. You know, Ben, uh, it was interesting, and I guess it need be said that uh, within the sweep of the man's legacy, there obviously uh, were some areas that uh, were probably less than exemplary. They mentioned the three envelopes from Carl Heinz Schreiber. That was all part of the Airbus scandal. Uh, I can't uh, avoid talking about uh, some of that that maybe taints the overall perception. It's not, uh, you know, the biggest part of things. Obviously, the accomplishments are, but uh, would you say that's fair comment? Yeah, I mean, I was there when that resurfaced and we covered it again. And I think there was a, I mean, when 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 the full investigation was done, it, as it turned out, it, there, there was probably more smoke than fire there, right? Uh, but there there was a sense, I think, over time that, that this was going to taint his legacy, that this was one of those things that he'd left behind. Um, and it's interesting to look back at it because if you think back to the mood of 1993, the unpopularity of Brian Mulroney, uh, by the time he had left office, I think there was there was a willingness to go look for something um, that that you could paint him with. That you could there was a certain there was this idea that somehow he had been too close to the Americans, that he had violated some stuff, and that he was a bit of a shifty dealer. Right? There was always those stories that had gone around about the furniture being taken out of Twenty Four Sussex. I don't know if any of those were whatsoever true, but there was a sort of a bit of a smear campaign against him when he left. And and, and ultimately, I mean, I, I think the 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 Karl Heinz Schreiber, the Airbus issue followed him around for many 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 years i never interviewed him about it i never spoke to him about it uh, but i got the impression it was one of those things that hung over him for a long time because i think he he was firmly convinced uh, of his own of his own innocence in in, in that in that whole affair um but yeah it's certainly i mean at the time i think it's we still talk about it now as having been part of it part of his his legacy right and certainly part of that legacy that uh, that unfolded after he had left office and there were questions about uh, about some of the things that had gone on while he was in power. Well, his opponents and detractors trying to define him. I mean, obviously the pejorative Lion Brian, you know, that uh, did surface from time to time, but not to dwell on that, of course, uh, when we are uh, commemorating an individual who gave so much to the country and uh, had a stature on the international stage. Uh, This is all small beer. Uh, The Prime Minister, the current Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, having recently weighed in with his thoughts on Brian Mulroney, let's pick that up right now. Yes best friend and partner of 50 years, Mila, his uh, amazing kids and grandkids uh, who loved him dearly and who he loved with all his heart. Um, There are many, many people across the country tonight who are uh, reeling and feeling uh, a deep absence. Uh, He was committed to this country, loved it with all his heart, and served it many, many years in many different ways. He had the courage to do big things, whether it was negotiating free trade with the United States and then with Mexico, all the while standing up to protect Canada's environment, to push back against the Americans on acid rain, to stand strong on the international stage, standing up for Canada's values 
against communism and authoritarianism, against apartheid, leading with our values around the world. He was uh, incredibly generous and effective in advising me and our government on the renegotiation of NAFTA uh, during some very challenging years uh, where not just the advice and strategic counsel he gave me and us, but also active with uh, his contacts as part of Team Canada to make sure that the messages on how important the friendship and the relationship between Canada and the U.S. was, not just for Canada but the U.S., was key. His commitment to this country as a proud Quebecer, to um, bringing people together and demonstrating um, the, the impact but also the necessity of Canada on the world stage and the pride that Canadians could take in it was something that uh, has left its mark. He shaped our past, but he shapes our present and he will impact our future as well. He was an extraordinary statesman uh, and he will be deeply, deeply missed. Mes pensées ce soir sont tout d'abord avec la famille my thoughts tonight are first and foremost with the Moral Rooney family. Mila, his partner of 50 years, his children, his grandchildren, and all of those in the country who loved him. He had a profound humanism. His connection with others, his listening kills, his interest in what was happening in the country and what was happening in the lives of the people with whom he talked was genuine and profound. He did big things for this country, whether it's with working with the Americans to sign the free trade agreement, while pushing back against the Americans on acid rain and by working for the environment, fighting for the environment. He had an important position on the international front by presenting and putting forth Canada's values while fighting against communism and authoritarian regimes and apartheid. He is a man who profoundly loved his country. He was dedicated to it. He was a true statesman. And he shaped our past and our present and will continue to shape our future. We are all saddened because we no longer have him with us. But we will let his service inspire us for many years to come. Thank you. Okay, that is current Prime Minister. And there you have it, current Prime Minister Justin Trudeau remembering Brian Mulroney, who you've not heard. Uh, we're continuing this coverage tonight. Brian Mulroney has passed away at the age of 84. He was surrounded by family, believed to be in Florida. Um, that news was shared on social media by his daughter, Carolyn, uh, late today. Um, and we're just looking back at the, at the pretty remarkable legacy of Brian Mulroney, who, and, and just if you think back, it was 40 years ago today that Pierre Trudeau announced his resignation in that, after that famous walk in the snow on uh, Leap Day, 1984. And there are some, I was watching this yesterday, obviously, and there were some images of Brian Mulroney, the young Brian Mulroney, the, the fiery Brian Mulroney, who had just become conservative leader, um, very much ready 
to take the helm. And of course, not long after those clips, he would storm uh, to the biggest majority uh, in federal political history with 211, I think it was 211, 212 seats in 1984, and this massive mandate that he brought in. And he came in with a real set of goals, things he wanted to do. He saw Canada in a way that was different from his predecessors. He had come up differently. He thought he felt like he thought differently. He felt like, felt like he wasn't part of that inner circle of Canadian politics that had been the same for so very long. And he had ideas about how Canada's economy should look in the 80s, about free trade and globalization. He had ideas about social justice and apartheid. He had ideas um, around the environment. And he got to work on a lot of them. He had ideas around national unity uh, that would prove far more difficult over time. But again, uh, remembering what was going on with, remembering Brian Mulroney's legacy on this night as we celebrate both his life and his legacy. Some kind words there from the Prime Minister, uh, just talking about uh, Brian Mulroney's love for Canada. Jean Chrétien, the former Prime Minister, uh, was up, who obviously was in the House of Commons at the same time as, as Brian Mulroney was up uh, paying tribute to him a little earlier on um, this evening as well. So uh, Pierre Polyev has paid, paid tribute to him as well. I have those for you in a bit as well. We are marking the passing of former Prime Minister Brian Mulroney, who died today at the age of 84. His family announced it today. Carolyn Mulroney on a post on social media saying that he had died peacefully and surrounded by family. Of course, Mulroney, the 18th Prime Minister, he was 84 years old, uh, left behind an incredibly rich legacy for his two terms in office, everything from free trade to the GST to uh, helping end apartheid. Um, he was obviously in power as the Iron Curtain fell and the Berlin Wall crumbled, uh, amongst many other things. His attempts at national unity, of course, uh, weren't as successful, but he did leave behind. He was a transformational Prime Minister, and we're looking back at his rich legacy today, as have many others. Uh, the current Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, was uh, just we just uh, heard from him a little earlier. He was talking about how devastated he was to learn of Mulroney's passing. Of course, he had consulted uh, with Brian Mulroney as uh, Donald Trump was uh, renegotiating, uh, forcing Canada to renegotiate NAFTA. He, uh, Trudeau said he never stopped working for Canadians and always sought to make this country an even better place to call home. Uh, the current Conservative leader, Pierre Polyev, uh, also spoke uh, today. He called uh, Mulroney one of our greatest ever statesmen who brought transformational change to Canada as Prime Minister, saying he unleashed free enterprise, crushed inflation, restored fiscal sanity, and concluded one of the greatest free trade agreements the world has ever seen, which remains largely in place today. Uh, part of Brian Mulroney's legacy, of course, is both inter internal and external. He uh, was on the world stage. He played a quite a prominent role on the world stage at a time of great change in and around the world. If we think of things such as um, apartheid and the fall of apartheid in South Africa, if we think of um, you know his his relationships both with, with Ronald Reagan and with George Bush, sometimes uh, both applauded and pilloried at times, and his close relationship with uh, Margaret Thatcher when she was British Prime Minister. Fen Hampson is president of the World Refugee and Migration Council. He's author of Master of Persuasion, Brian Mulroney's Global Legacy, and he joins me now. Fen, thank you so much for your time tonight. Well, it's good to be here, but obviously it's uh, it's a very sad day uh, with uh, the passing of uh, Prime Minister Mulroney. Indeed. Just your first thought. I think all of us have first first thoughts when we heard the news today. What were yours? Well, I knew he'd been uh, unwell for quite some time. So um, uh, I have to say uh, uh, I, I, I wasn't... Uh, uh, surprised, but uh, of course, when these things happen, it, it comes as a shock, and it's obviously uh, uh, a terrible loss to uh, to his family, uh, to his children, and uh, to his grandchildren. And I think it's uh, 
it's a very sad day for Canadians because, as you said earlier, he really was uh, one of uh, the giants uh, among our uh, prime ministers of the last century. Uh, he was a transformative leader in so many ways. And um, when he was prime minister, Canada uh, stood very tall on the world stage. Uh, it's, uh, uh, it's, it's really in some ways unparalleled in recent history to have a prime minister who not only did as much as he did, but uh, was as respected by other world leaders as he was. It was interesting. We were talking, of course, today is the 40th anniversary of Pierre Elliott Trudeau resigning on Leap Day 1984. And then and then here came Brian Mulroney. It's interesting that you had these two giant characters, these titans, come one after each other. And yet they couldn't have been more different in many ways, similar in some ways, but more different in so many different ways. Well, uh, that's certainly true. And um, uh, in some ways, uh, you know, part of what Mulroney tried to do as prime minister was to... Um, uh, said some of the things that um, uh, uh, Pierre Elliott Trudeau uh, had 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 done. Uh, uh, that was true uh, uh, when it came to uh, the finances of the country. Uh, it was true uh, in our energy policies. Um, it was also true on 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 the foreign policy stage. Um, Trudeau uh, was. Um, uh, reluctant uh, for Canada to join the Organization of American States, uh, for Canada to kind of take its seat as a, as a country of the Americas. He was also opposed to Canadian membership in uh, La Francophonie, the Commonwealth of uh, uh, French-speaking countries, uh, because it would have also meant uh, a seat for Quebec. Uh, Mulroney uh, was happy to uh, have both Canada and Quebec sit side by side in that organization. In fact, the organization came into being with uh, Canada and Quebec's uh, accession uh, to it. So there were many things he did, uh, but he definitely uh, was not on the same page as uh, Pierre Elliott Trudeau. And uh, that's also true when it came to Mulroney's view of uh, the Canadian constitution. Uh, Trudeau was uh, very much a, a strong federalist. Uh, he didn't want to see uh, Quebec recognized as a distinct society. He did not want to see uh, the expansion of uh, provincial powers in any way. That was very much the basis of uh, Mulroney's uh, initiatives when it came to both uh, the Meech Lake Accord and then the Charlottetown Accord, both of which uh, failed, um, mm -hmm. uh, partly because Trudeau himself uh, mounted uh, out of retirement a vigorous campaign to uh, uh, to make sure that um, uh, they would not uh, succeed. And the consequence of that was a rise in Quebec separatism, uh, the referendum uh, in, uh, I guess it was 1995, where in we almost lost indeed. the country. Yeah. Your, your book is, I mean, book is called Master of Persuasion. It's an interesting title because I sat down with Brian Mulroney a few times over the years, once in a few sure. times in China when I was a correspondent there, once after Margaret Thatcher's funeral. And it was amazing because of the time that he was prime minister, such a transformative, transformative time in world history in many ways, the fall of the uh, the fall of the Iron Curtain and the crumbling of the Berlin Wall, the end of apartheid, um, you know, sort of the rise of the environmental movement in some senses, and Mulroney and, and free sort of the beginnings of globalization and free trade. And Brian Mulroney was very much at the forefront of, of a lot of it. And I think sometimes 
we got obsessed with, you know, the Irish eyes are smiling stuff and forgot that, in fact, on the world stage, as you mentioned earlier, he was he was a, an important figure and he was considered as such by by his peers. Yeah, I, I, you know, he uh, he was um, uh, I was actually living outside of uh, the country uh, at uh, at the time uh, during, uh, you know, a good part of his uh, uh, prime ministership and um uh, I was living in the United States as a as a student at an American university, and um, Mulroney was revered. Uh, uh, he was uh, respected. Um, uh, when he came to Washington, um, you know, everybody wanted to be at the state dinner uh, with Brian Mulroney. Um, uh, that was also true, um, as as you know, in Europe. Uh, Helmut Kohl had enormous respect for uh, Mulroney. And um, uh, as the Berlin Wall literally was uh, was coming down, uh, the Cold War was ending. Uh, Mulroney was the champion for German unification uh, or reunification, uh, which um, both Margaret Thatcher and Francois Mitterrand were vigorously opposed to. They did not want to see a strong Germany at uh, the center of uh, Europe after the Cold War. And Mulroney uh, really took Cole's message to uh, to George Bush, who, you know, to be fair to Bush himself, was uh, uh, inclined to uh, support uh, German uh, reunification. But Mulroney really pressed the argument and said, you know, if you don't do it, you're going to have a lot of problems. And so, um, uh, you know, to have to have a leader who had that geopolitical influence and reach. Uh, we have not seen anything like that since. And uh, to be honest, um, uh, you know, although Canadians revere Lester Pearson, a lot of what Lester Pearson did on the world stage was when he was uh, uh, undersecretary and, and uh, um, uh, of, of state. Uh, uh, he, it was not when he was prime minister. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and again, Master of Persuasion is an interesting title because he did do it through a combination of charm and straight talk. I think one thing that I always, when he was telling me the stories about how he spoke to Margaret Thatcher and I, you know, these are his stories, but, you know, he was always willing to, um, he was willing to challenge leaders who often weren't, who wouldn't normally, I don't think in by 1984, 85, 86, had necessarily been used to being challenged by the Canadian prime minister, so to speak. That's right. I mean, he he was. Um, I mean, it, it's interesting because um, uh, before he went into politics, he was a labor lawyer, and um, he he uh, he um, represented uh, labor unions in, in some of the biggest strikes uh, and 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 labor actions in in Quebec. Um, he uh, he got uh, a deal uh, between uh, the labor unions and the press, which was uh, uh, owned by the um, Demeray family. And and I think um, you know, as as a labor lawyer, um, uh, you know, sitting at the negotiating table, being being an advocate, he had that toughness, um, no question about it. I mean, he could be tough as nails. Um, but at the same time, he also understood that if you're going to be, um, you know, dealing with the other party across the table, you better develop a, a good personal relationship uh, with them if you want to get something uh, out of them. And so he, he took that skill um, uh, as, uh, as a lawyer, as also later on as a, as a businessman. 
um, uh, into uh, into his uh, international relations, um, uh, into his political life. And he understood the importance of personal relationships. I mean, one of the things he did, you probably know this, your listeners may not, is that as soon as he was elected leader of the Conservative Party and uh, he, he uh, uh, election hadn't even been called at that point, he went down to Washington to meet with Ronald Reagan because he figured if he won the election, he would be dealing with Ronald Reagan. Now, that didn't sit very well with the government at the time. But the two of them hit it off because Mulroney knew how to tell good stories and spin a good yarn. And dealing with uh, fellow uh, uh, Irishman uh, Ronald Reagan, uh, the two of them hit it off immediately. And and that paid huge dividends when it came to uh, uh, the very tough negotiations uh, on uh, Canada-U.S. free trade. Yeah, the power of persuasion. Finn Hampton, thank you for your thoughts tonight. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Paying tribute to the very rich life and tall legacy of Brian Mulroney tonight, Canada's 18th Prime Minister, passed away today at the age of 84. It was his daughter, Carolyn, who announced the news on social media saying he'd passed peacefully, surrounded by family, we believe in Florida. Um, Carolyn Mulroney, of course, is a politician herself. She's in Doug Ford's cabinet. And Ontario's Premier had this to say about Brian Mulroney a little earlier today. Um, From Caroline, a very, very dear friend, telling me that her, her dad passed away. And you want to talk about leadership. You want to talk about trailblazers, uh, visionaries. That, that was Brian Mulroney. You think of the, the fair trade deal that he put together. You think about him helping end apartheid. And I, the list goes on and on and on. But he, he became a, a, a mentor to me. He became an advisor to me anytime I had a tough decision. But when you, when you talk to Brian, I'm sure many of you uh, have in this room, he boosts you up. And you just feel like, I used to tell him, uh, I always called him Prime Minister. I said, Prime Minister, you know, after talking to you, I feel like getting out there, door knocking, campaigning nonstop, uh, he'll be dearly missed. And I, my prayers and thoughts go out to Caroline and Mila and the rest of the kids and the grandchildren. And we're, we're going to be dearly he's going to be dearly missed so again uh i'm first go to, to brian I... ontario premier doug ford there a little earlier paying tribute to um Brian Mulroney, the late Brian Mulroney, who passed away today at the age of 84. Of course, Brian's daughter, Carolyn, is part of his cabinet. He mentioned her by name, of course, so there is a close relationship there. Uh, To speak more about the 18th Prime Minister of Canada, we have on the line the 19th Premier of Alberta, Danielle Smith, is with us. Danielle, thanks so much for your time tonight. Yeah, my pleasure. Just, I I was, you know, we're roughly the same age. Uh, I was thinking back to my earliest memories or my first memories of Brian Mulroney when hearing about news of his passing today. And and I was wondering what yours were, what what comes to mind when you think about about the man? No, I can tell you lots of conversations around the dinner table before I was able to vote. My, My dad was a big fan of Mulroney, especially for ending the national energy program, getting Alberta its resource rights back bringing interest rates down, getting a, finally a control over inflation. I remember him talking around the dinner table about that. So when I, when I got into, uh, into campus politics, it was in, in no small part because of the admiration that I had for Brian Mulroney. Um, he was a bit controversial, of course, in our province. I think he really tried to keep our country together, really tried to find the common ground between Alberta and Quebec, which is 
very difficult to do. Maybe he might be the last conservative leader who's truly done that. And unfortunately, just with the failures of uh, Meech and the Charlottetown Accord, it it caused that coalition to to burst apart. But I, I think there's just so many wonderful things that he did that were for the country, putting the country first, whether it's uh, the, the items I just mentioned or whether it's the negotiation of the free trade agreement. Not uh, po- not necessarily popular decisions at the time, but he forged ahead and, and he brought the consensus t- uh, to those issues and uh, the country's so much better for it. Yeah, I was thinking of that in your position now as, as you're not a rookie premier anymore, but you've been there for a bit. You must look to other leaders and the kinds of decisions that they've had to make. I think Brian Mulroney was always uh, believed in the courage of his convictions, and sometimes he paid a very heavy price for it politically. Uh, but it must, when you look at other leaders and what they've done, and sometimes the price you need to pay to do the things you believe in, uh, that he, he must have been an inspiration in that way, both, I mean, both positively and negatively in some ways. <laughs> Well, I can tell you, Alberta will never be able to have a sales tax again, in, in part no. because I think of the backlash that happened around the GST. But even on that one, I mean, his successor, John Chrétien, won an election campaigning against it. And guess what? The GST is still here and still generating revenues. And it was one of those things that he knew he needed to do to, to make sure that our um, manufactured exports would have uh, fair treatment under the free trade agreement. So he understood why he was doing it, but it, it didn't turn out so well for him politically. But but one of the things I also remember about him, I, th- there are a few cabinets that I still remember back in the day. And, and that gives you, I think, also a measure of him, that he, he elevated the people around him so that they could also take on leadership roles. And, and so you, you knew who some of his cabinet ministers were. You knew who Joe Clark was, even though they'd, they'd been... Uh, rivals for so much of their political careers. He made sure that Joe had a, a really uh, robust second career as a as a, his lead on on some of these really thorny uh, foreign and, and domestic issues. So I think that that is also a measure of him that that he was able to not only reach across and uh, to his rivals and make sure that they felt included and part of his team, uh, but also elevate other members of his team and even reach across the aisle when he had to. The the fact that he was reached out to um, on Trudeau when they were having some trouble negotiating the, the latest round of the, the free trade agreement because of his deep connections with the Republicans. I think that just shows the kind of person he was, that he, he put partisanship aside for the good of the country. I hope that's what he's remembered for. Alberta Premier Daniel Smith is with us as we look back on the life of Brian Mulroney today. Preston Manning has just published something in the National Post, Daniel. I think you might be. And this is an interesting because you've just alluded to it. And I was asked earlier, because I'm in B.C., about, uh, but grew up in Quebec, uh, about Brian Mulroney's legacy out west. And I thought, well, you know, part of it was, I mean, certainly the things you've mentioned, but there was this idea, I think, that, that, that somehow um, his focus on trying to bring Quebec back into the fold um, compounded a certain sense of Western alienation, maybe in some senses worse, because it was thought maybe it wouldn't be that way under Brian Mulroney, and instead it was. And Preston Manning mentions, of course, he pays great tribute uh, to the man and, and all that he accomplished, but also said that it was clear to him that Brian Mulroney had no time for the Reform Party and, and, and what was about to happen in politics uh, in the West. Yeah, I think there's something to that. I mean, there are a few things. The GST was one of the controversial decisions, but also the, the awarding of a, a defense contract that everybody mm-hmm. felt should have gone to Winnipeg and it instead went to, to Quebec. And I'm sure, in part, that was guided by him wanting to make sure that, that Quebec felt a part of Confederation. But it left uh, a real lasting bruise for him in, in Western Canada and I think did fuel some of that alienation. It's a shame because when you, when you think of, if you look at the economic record of bringing down inflation, bringing down 
spending, what he had inherited, and then the uh, on, the incredible wealth we were able to enjoy with our partnership with the U.S., uh, the, the fact that he was able to orchestrate all of that and subsequent leaders were the beneficiaries of it. That's why I, I look back fondly. I know that it was uh, probably didn't turn out for him the way he had hoped as uh, on the national unity file. And I, I wonder, I wonder if, if there's anything he would have done differ- differently if he could have, but it is uh, you, you can't fault him for trying. Cause I think it's Canada is a, a country we're saving and it's, it's, it's worth it to try to find those issues that can uh, tie Alberta and Quebec together. I think, I think he had the most, I think he had more success in, in Meech Lake in understanding that the aspirations of the province were to be respected for their constitutional authority and, and more decentralization. It just wasn't the, the uh, issue that carried the day. And unfortunately, yes. it was just too, too volatile a coalition to keep together. And we've been suffering, I think, the effects of that for some time. He, he was the, yeah. the last conservative leader able to, I think, see the, the pathway for both, of our, for both of those provinces. Politics is a tough game, Danielle, I gather. Politics is a tough game. It sure is. You know, I, I must say, I still remember because I was just a young kid and I, I had a chance to, to meet him at, I've got, because of my position as a campus club president, I think I got invited uh, to a leader's dinner. And I know, I remember him working half the room and Mila working the other half of the room. And yeah. what a power couple they were, both equally esteemed and everyone was equally excited to meet them. And I, I had a, the occasion to talk to him a couple of times over the years. And I just was always amazed that he was willing to give time and advice and just be a very kind person in uh, in being able to offer that that uh, that generosity. I think he treated people very well and that's why pe- people had such loyalty to him for so long. Danielle, I appreciate your time tonight. Thank you so much. Yeah, my pleasure. We look back on the life and legacy of Brian Mulroney. He passed away today at the age of 84. His daughter, Carolyn, who is in cabinet in the Ontario provincial government, posting something on social media saying that he had died peacefully, surrounded by family today. So we've been spending, I will spend the evening looking back on the very rich life and very large legacy that our 18th Prime Minister leaves behind. He, of course, was Prime Minister from 1984 to 1993. It was on this day, 40 years ago, that Pierre Trudeau resigned and I was watching a clip of the of a young Brian Mulroney yesterday, sort of talking about, you know, with the kind of fervor and passion that you knew that he had. And it was, if you look back in hindsight, it was kind of it was obvious that he was about to become prime minister, as he would later in the year, in a uh, in spectacular fashion, winning the biggest landslide uh, in federal Canadian political history with 211 seats of 282. It was just a monster victory uh, for the Conservatives. Uh, another former Prime Minister was paying tribute to Brian Mulroney today, one he never actually had to run against, but the one who, in some ways, with Kim Campbell in between, ended up succeeding him. Here's Jean Chrétien. He took the Conservative Party in very bad shape. You know, they had not been in government since in the 30s. And he built it back. But his greatest success was to break in Quebec. And, uh, and it was, uh, it was his argument when he ran. And it turned out to be right. And when he managed to have a good hole in Quebec, you know, it was easy in the rest of the country. There you are, Jean Chrétien paying tribute to Mulroney's ability to grow the Conservative Party in a big way in his home province of Quebec, in both their home provinces. Roy Green, host of the Roy Green Show, Saturdays and Sundays on Chorus, is with us now. Uh, Roy, thanks for your time tonight. Ben, good to join you. 
Yeah, just your thoughts about, I mean, I was thinking today, the first memories I had of Brian Mulroney, obviously Irish eyes are smiling. Um, I yeah. interviewed him a few times over the years. Um, but just, you know, he was such a, an incredibly charismatic guy. Whether whether you loved him or hated him, he, there was no denying that he had uh, he had the power of persuasion. He certainly did. And, you know, we as broadcasters, and particularly in news talk broadcasting, we have the opportunity. I think sometimes it feels like we're in the front row as spectators, but we're sort of participating nevertheless. We're a conduit between the people and the policymakers and the decision makers and often the prime ministers. And he was, um, he was a person who had tremendous charisma. He could reach on both sides of the aisle. I always felt that even though I, I interviewed him several times, once in person for an hour, we would disagree on issues, but he was always likable. There was never any, any personal animosity. There was, a, there was a tremendously charismatic person in that suit he wore as prime minister. I, I, I genuinely liked the man. Yeah, I, and I think, Roy, that was universal because I had interviewed him after he was prime minister, obviously. But uh, I, I don't think many people walked away from a conversation, whether you liked his politics or disagreed with his policies. I don't think many people walked away from a conversation with Brian Mulroney not thinking he's a pretty funny, interesting, smart guy. Exactly. You know, when I met with him for an hour at an exclusive interview in Toronto, he came out from behind the desk they'd set up at the hotel. They had the whole floor for the prime minister and one was his office. He actually got up from behind his desk, walked over, shook my hand very warmly, invited me to sit down. And I felt like I was sitting with someone I really could converse with. I don't remember what I was there for because I was there to in, in, interrogate him. And, and, and my first impression was, I like this guy, you know, and it, it took me a while to, to get to, to the questions. And I came away with the same attitude. When we left, he, he walked me to the, uh, to the elevator, shook my hand again, wished me the very best. There was a tremendously warm person. Uh, Brian Mulroney was a tremendously warm person. There was another uh, event, Ben, on the first uh, anniversary of 9-11. We were broadcasting live from New York City. Mr. Mulroney was our first guest, and he was so eloquent and deeply compassionate toward our American neighbors. And, of course, he had a tremendous history and relationship with the United States. It was actually at that time, on the first anniversary of 9-11, with so many memories flooding back, it was comforting to begin the program with Brian Mulroney. He had that effect on people. He could make you feel better at difficult times. Few uh, knew him as well through the many phases of that as my current guest, Roy Green. He's the host of The Roy Green Show, Saturdays and Sundays on the Chorus Radio Network. Yeah, just listening through that obituary and thinking about just how much he accomplished in such a short period of time and, and just the peaks and valleys of his political careers, where, which, you know, you were right there to see them. And it's, it's interesting to look back and think about how he probably could have played it safer and, and gone out in a different way, but that was not him at all. No, it wasn't, Ben. And as I listened to that uh, obituary, I thought about what a complicated man he was, what a complex individual he was, what a dedicated and driven individual he was, and he would not be taken off his course. He had the decisions he'd made, and he was going to follow them through. And yeah, there were times Mr. Mulroney was in great difficulty with the electorate, great difficulty with the premiers. When I had that one-on-one interview with him, he was down to 12% of the polls. That was shortly before, of course, he left the party and turned it over to Kim Campbell. But the, the Quebec issue, the issue about bringing Quebec closer uh, to Canadians and to the West, of uh, the Canadian West, was very important to him. And, you know, Meech Lake was a really significant aspect of that. But I will always remember the Charlottetown Accord of 1992, which, was, of course, was to amend the Canadian Constitution and persuade Quebec to agree to the Constitution Act of 1982. 
which would also have declared Quebec a distinct society. And the national referendum ended that effort. But what really sticks out is that people were so engaged. People did not take a, uh, uh, I'm not interested attitude. When I went on the air with that, uh, with that issue, with the Charlottetown Accord, and we set up a network of stations, we went from British Columbia to St. John's, Newfoundland. We hooked up radio stations across the country. And we raised the issue of, of Charlottetown and we took calls and uh, everyone was engaged. Mulrooney had that ability to pull you in, make you understand the importance of an issue and the importance, whether you agree with them or not, he made you understand and want to get engaged. GST was another example. You know, the country was split. People hated it. And Michael Wilson, his finance minister, would come into the studio with me and try to explain <laughs> the GST. Nobody knew what it was about. And we started talking about donuts. Okay, do you, do you put the GST on six donuts if you buy them in a package? Does it go on donuts if you buy them individually? It, it devolved to that kind of um, uh, debate. But nevertheless, Brian Mulroney was always the steward of what went on in this country over the nine years as prime minister. Yeah. And just thinking about, about, you're right. The things that he cared about were, were polarizing issues. I mean, free trade, even, even, I mean, I think back, of course, I grew up in, as we both did, we both grew up in Montreal, but I grew up in sort of a, I think I was, you know, a family that certainly had voted liberal for a very long, very long time. And there was this sort of visceral reaction to him being on stage with Ronald Reagan singing Irish eyes or smiling instead of sort of celebrating this, the closeness of the relationship with our biggest neighbor and knowing that our prime minister had a seat at the table at a very big table, by the way, it was sort of this idea that somehow he had, he was being taken advantage of that. He was selling us out, you know, and, and I think it was, he, yeah, he sort I of exposed that. I that yeah. as well. Yeah. I heard yeah. that too, but what was so important when you look back, even when they threw out the first pitch together to the blue Jays game, it was, right. there was some, there was something that was, a, that was important. We really started to viscerally, I think, understand that he was bringing us into the big leagues, if you will. Not the Canada was necessarily a minor league player, but he opened the door for a growing Canadian economy, and he had a tremendous impact in that regard. NAFTA is, uh, what, it's uh, 30 years old this it year. Is. Uh, yeah. January of uh, 1994, so it's 30 years old. What well, if it were still in effect? But uh, son of NAFTA, whatever you want to call it, is still around and it has made a huge impact, huge difference to the economic uh, prosperity of Canada. Struggling a little bit now, but but certainly uh, it, it was it was yeah. important. He even advised the current prime minister through that renegotiation with uh, with with Donald Trump and the Americans yes, at the time he because he because he had been there before and he knew how it worked. Interesting that he was. I do do think he put country before politics often. I mean, he was a yeah. consummate politician, but he seemed to put country before party at times. He did, uh, and, and it comes back to the charm. He, if he didn't, he made you believe that he did. Made you under, he did make you understand that he cared about what he was talking about. <clears throat> Excuse me, whether you agreed with him or not, there was always, I found when I spoke with him, there was always attentive communication, and that's so important. That's what people want. They want their political leaders to be attentive and communicative, and Brian Mulroney certainly was all of that. As as a longtime observer of, of the conservative scene, what do you think his legacy on that front was? Because I think we've spent a lot of time tonight talk, sort of talking about the fact that, you know, through, you know, following Brian Mulroney came the rise of the Reform Party. There was a Preston Manning's written uh, something for the National Post tonight where he talks about having never really spent much time with Mulroney, having admired him for his accomplishments, but also having realized quite early on that Mulroney had no time 
for what uh, for what Preston Manning was advancing and and what he was talking about. Um, and then, of course, the birth, of the rise of Lucien Bouchard is not all on Mulroney, obviously. But when he left, conservatism, the coalition that he had built had changed dramatically. And I think we're still seeing the impacts of it uh, today in this country. Yeah, that's certainly going to be a significant part of his legacy. Lucien Bouchard, former Bloc Québécois, was, of course, the foreign affairs minister for Brian mm-hmm. Mulroney federally. And uh, he, uh, what's his legacy going to be? That's a really interesting question, but I think it's going to it, it's going to develop as as conservatism develops. Uh, the Progressive Conservative Party disappeared, as we all know. And uh, Ben, I really don't know what his legacy is. Yeah. going to be. I, yeah. I really don't know. Yeah, it, that's it's a tough question. To yeah, it is a tough question. It really is. For some, it wouldn't be. For some people, you know, some people in politics would say, you know, that's their legacy. This is what it's about. And and it's fairly quickly done. But Brian Mulroney was a complicated individual who took on issues and involved Canadians. And his legacy, I think, is going to be written over the decades. Yeah. And, and what I what I admired about him as a politician was was the courage of his convictions, was that he truly the things that he stood up for and the things that he defended or things that he truly believed in. And I think at the time. Um, you know, it wasn't that he could always read the room necessarily because he did have that, those convictions. And it's incredible to think about how, just how he roared to power in 1984. And even though he was gone by the, by 1993, how the party was just decimated in 1993. Uh, what, I mean, if anything, what an absolutely transformative time and power in every which way, uh, for Brian Mulroney, whether you liked him or not. You know, when you, when we were talking about his legacy, I was just thinking about something that will forever be significantly important about Brian Mulroney, nationally, internationally, socially. He very openly and directly challenged South Africa's then apartheid regime. And I always felt of his accomplishments, that is one that will live on, we like to say forever. That's an overstatement in many cases, but in this case, I think it's true. It's a legacy item that will live on forever. He challenged South Africa's apartheid regime, and he made a huge difference uh, getting that regime out of power in, in South Africa. Roy, uh, I appreciate your time and your insight tonight. Thank you so much. I'm sure we'll be, you'll be talking about this on your show this weekend, so I invite listeners to tune into the Roy Green Show on Saturday and Sunday afternoons on the Chorus Radio Network. Thanks for your time tonight, Roy. Ben, thank you for asking me. We pay tribute to Canada's 18th Prime Minister, Brian Mulroney, who passed away today at the age of 84. It was his daughter, Carolyn, uh, who was a member of the cabinet of the Ontario provincial government, who shared the news on social media saying he died peacefully, surrounded by family. We believe he was in Florida at the time. And of course, there's been reaction uh, from right across the country and beyond. Uh, we've had a reaction from the opposition leader, Pierre Polyev, the current uh, Conservative Party leader, who talked about uh, uh, he, how he unleashed, he called him a transform, uh, one of our greatest ever statesmen who brought transformational change to this country as prime minister. He unleashed free enterprise, crushed inflation, restored fiscal unit sanity, and concluded one of the greatest free trade agreements the world has ever seen, which remains largely 
in place today. I'll always be thankful for his candid advice and generous mentorship to me personally. All Canadians are grateful for his immense sacrifice and the lasting legacy he leaves us all. That was Pierre Poliev speaking about the passing of Brian Mulroney a little earlier today. And the Prime Minister, uh, Justin Trudeau, who... Um, Brian Mulroney advised, actually, as NAFTA was being renegotiated with the Trump administration in the U.S., uh, also paid tribute to Brian Mulroney tonight. Here's what he had to say. All on the international stage, standing up for Canada's values, against communism and authoritarianism, against apartheid, leading with our values around the world. He was uh, incredibly generous and effective in advising me and our government on the renegotiation of NAFTA uh, during some very challenging years uh, where not just the advice and strategic counsel he gave me and us, but also active with uh, his contacts as part of Team Canada to make sure that the messages on how important the friendship and the relationship between Canada and the U.S. was, not just for Canada, but the U.S., was key. His commitment to this country as a proud Quebecer, to um, bringing people together and demonstrating um, the, the impact, but also the necessity of Canada on the world stage and the pride that Canadians could take in it was something that uh, has left its mark. He shaped our past, but he shapes our present and he will impact our future as well. He was an extraordinary statesman uh, and he will be deeply, deeply missed. Mes pensées ce soir sont tout d'abord avec la famille the Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, earlier today paying tribute to the late Brian Mulroney. Jazz Joe Hall is host of the Jazz Joe Hall Show on 980CKNW CK, in Vancouver. He's also a former BC MLA and a former colleague of mine as Global News Bureau Chief in both India and China. Jazz, thanks for your time tonight. My pleasure. Brian Mulroney, I mean, I got the chance to interview him a couple of times in Beijing, actually, when we were both there, I think, or maybe just before you came you came to Beijing. Um, mm-hmm. your, your, your thoughts about, about Brian, I don't know if you had a chance to sit down with him or talk to him, but uh, he was he was an amazing interview. He certainly, I mean, as a journalist, he was he was always one of the greatest people to sit down with. It was hard to get a, a, like a 10-second clip out of him, but man, he had some great stories and he always had a good take on things. Yeah, he did. Uh, I, uh, Mr. Mulroney spoke at an event out here in Vancouver about a year and a half ago, which I attended. And, you know, he had the same passion, the same energy uh, that I remembered when he was prime minister. And uh, he was uh, at the event uh, with uh, former BC Premier Gordon Campbell. And both of them talked about taking big chances in politics, uh, believing in something and willing to, to go that extra mile, even if you lose. Uh, to push that policy if you believe it's the right thing to do. And they talked about political courage and and what it takes. And it was fascinating listening to them both Um, because sometimes you look at politics of today, so polarized, so difficult to get simple things done where we can't even agree on simple facts sometimes. Um, It spoke to a different era uh, for Canada, uh, but one where we took big, big, big leaps, uh, big big chances, uh, and that wouldn't have happened without... Um, uh, Mr. Mulroney. And so when I was thinking today, when I heard of his passing, that, you know, this is a guy who really deeply loved Canada, cared for Canada, 
But more than anything for me, it's something that we're lacking in today's political age is somebody willing to take chances, willing to go that extra mile and say, look, I'm going to put all of this on the line because I believe it's the right thing for us to do. And I think that's what I, I miss more than anything. Yeah, I was thinking about um, Roy Green was just with us. We were talking about the things that Brian Mulroney got us debating uh, in this country, whether you agreed with his policies or not. You know, he got us talking about what Canada's economic future might look like with free trade. He had us talking about what our what our national unity might look like with Meech Lake and Charlottetown. He had us challenge our own notions of social justice with uh, with South Africa, for instance, or his belief in Germany, or what Canada's place in the world with his close relationship to the United States, with his, uh, you know, with his close relationship to Margaret Thatcher, about conservatism, about globalization. There was a lot of things that you didn't necessarily have to agree with what his position was, but he made you think about it. And those were weighty topics. I mean, very weighty compared to some of the stuff we wind up debating these days. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, of all those wonderful examples that you gave, but, uh, you know, I would throw in acid rain as well. You got us talking about the environment in a much different way than uh, we did uh, prior to that. And today it's part of our broader discourse uh, in this nation around the world. But he was there leading the fight uh, along with uh, Mr. Reagan in regards to the acid rain treaty. Uh, but these are very, very weighty things uh, that they did. I had Jerry St. Germain. Uh, former Senator Jerry St. Germain, who was uh, at one time the former president of the Progressive Conservative Party of Canada. And what he talked about uh, on my show today was the ability to bring people together from so many different perspectives and, and, and bring them all and to broker a deal. It's not easy, uh, but he was the, one of those rare personalities. He had the intellect and he had the charm. And those things generally don't always work well together, but he had both and he used them. Uh, in full force uh, in bringing people together in different parts of, of, of our country uh, and working for, for the better. Now, all that's not necessarily didn't work out. I look at, uh, you know, Meech and Charlottetown and, and uh, the incredible frustration that those of us in the West sometimes felt in regards to those mm-hmm. policies. And some would argue, you know, that conversation that he unleashed upon this country uh, created the modern day reform party uh, and led to a, a different type of politics. Uh, and a frustration, articulating that frustration for the West as well. Um, but at its core, uh, I think he always felt it's the right thing to do, right way to go. Um, but, you know, I also asked Mr. Germain today, I said, you know, do you think he, could he, be, could he Mr. Mulroney, been as, as successful as an elected official today with our polarized politics? I posed that question to him and Bob Ransford, who was an assistant to Mr. Germain, but also worked very closely with Mr. Mulroney in the 1980s. And they said it would have been a lot more difficult today. Uh, the challenges are much more immense. But it goes back to what you said and I've been saying, is that we are such a polarized politics, and it's already difficult enough with a country our size with 40 million people, different ethnicities, different geographies, different perspectives, and keeping that country bound together. Uh, it's even harder today, uh, even for someone as talented as Brian Mulroney, uh, to articulate a vision that keeps us together, working together, uh, and moving this country forward together as well. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think there was a cautionary tale to some politicians out there as well, that if you, if you, you know, if, if you fly too close to the sun with these things that you want to do, I mean, his going all in on national unity, you know, that his, his commitment to Meech and then his commitment to Charlottetown and how his coalition, not only did it break apart his own co, the, you know, the coalition he'd built in Quebec, which was, something unique to him as a conservative leader, but it also destroyed the, destroyed a, a long-standing hold that the progressive conservatives had had out West. And so in some senses, I suppose future politicians might be 
might be okay. But you know, you, you might understand their their hesitancy to go where Brian Mulroney had gone. Um, and yet, yet we talked a bit about. I was asked a bit about um, about his the, the view of him from the West. Um, mm-hmm. Now, of course, when he left office in 1993, I think the, the view was universally negative. But I think in legacy. He has certainly been resurrected uh, in in Ottawa and in political circles and so on. Uh, what was the longstanding view of him in, in BC? What was his legacy after he left office, or at least what was the view of his time in office when he left? Well, I think I was working at this very radio station. I was a young uh, young uh, producer at that time, and and we had a tremendous amount of opposition but from our station from our former hosts at that time to Charlottetown and Meach and as i said it certainly led to the creation of the reform party and certainly i still remember that election night when they were uh, down to two seats uh, kim campbell former school trustee here and of course future prime minister as well but you know down to two seats it gave you a perspective that the rest of the country wasn't too happy with them. We certainly were here, weren't here in the West, and I think uh, with the Reform Party's rise and a, and a different type of conservatism that rose, uh, that uh, I, I think was exacerbated by some of the policies that Mr. Mulroney brought. But I would also add, when I look at our province today, he has simplified and streamlined taxation that uh, provides us the GST, and no one's happy paying it. But it did help with our finances and fiscal policy and innovation. I think that's very important. When you look at the modern Vancouver International Airport, that was a lot to do with Mr. Mulroney and his vision. You look at the Triumph facility, uh, research facility at the University of British Columbia, so vital for our province and for research and development for our country, that was Mr. Mulroney as well. You look at our national gas pipeline that uh, links uh, the mainland to Vancouver Island, that was Brian Mulroney. Uh, as well. So uh, like all things, I think with time, uh, people appreciate uh, you much later for, uh, for for political leaders. And I got that today, even with callers, uh, you know, they, they recognize some of the things that Mr. Mulroney did, they don't agree with. But they were also very, very um, uh, complimentary to his style of leadership that he built, brought people together. He was a visionary. And what I got overall was we're not seeing those types of political leaders today. Um, and so I think there is, uh, you know, with time, people have not forgiven, but certainly moved on and recognized his strengths. Uh, and of course, there were some, uh, you know, some some policies that, of course, uh, that they wouldn't agree with. Meach and Charlottetown uh, is a classic example. And I would say that particular, those two particular the conversations eventually led to, as I said, the Reform Party and the modern day Conservative Party, which is a bit more conservative taking the progressive out of progressive conservatives, some would argue, in those early days. But it's a different type of conservatism today uh, than the, the conservative party that Brian Mulroney ran. But overall, his legacy, I think, is strong and has withstood the, the, the test of time. Yeah. His legacy on the world stage was always interesting, too, because I was at uh, covering Margaret Thatcher's funeral uh, in London many years ago. And Mulroney was there, obviously, and people came up. I mean, I did set up an interview with him and others jumped in later, but it was his ability. People remembered him. People knew who he was. And we were just talking about uh, the fact that when he was down in Washington over those years, he was so well respected in Washington circles that he was a respected Canadian leader uh, in other parts of the world as well. And then I got thinking back into some of the other uh, issues around foreign policy. Of course, the Air India uh, bombing was not his finest hour. Uh, in retrospect, um, you know, he he made mistakes uh, as prime minister, both on the world stage and on the domestic stage. Um, but but ultimately, you always got the impression that um, th- that he had the courage of his convictions. And I think that's what we were getting at earlier, that he was someone 
who um, who paid who paid quite a steep price for for having the courage of his convictions, and ended up leaving office, not being able to reconcile or bring this make, bring this country closer together, but instead sort of fostered a, a yet another. I won't put it all on him, but brought about another referendum in 1995 under Lucien Bouchard, who'd been a very close ally of his. And they, they of course, mm-hmm. uh, there was that rift. And then the West, uh, w- the Reform Party came up. Uh, it's just interesting to look back at, at, at how big, how big he was uh, as, as a prime minister. And I think sometimes today we, we kind of forgot. I think it got lost sometimes a bit behind the, the Irish eyes are smiling kind of moments where we sort of thought, oh, there's Brian showing off. And you thought that in fact, behind it all, he was doing, some really incredible stuff. How about afterwards? Did you ever get, I mean, you saw him just recently, actually, and it was interesting how he, how he eased quite, um, quite happily into that Eminence Grise, former prime minister advising all not to always put country before party, as far as I could tell. Yeah, no, yeah, it, that was my sense of it. I mean, the very fact that he was uh, speaking at this event in Vancouver, uh, it was still providing advice to political leaders and business leaders on where Canada is and where we need to be going. And But those core values that continue to drive this country. You know, you raised the issue of Margaret Thatcher uh, a minute ago. You know, if you think about the 60s and 70s, tremendous upheaval, uh, whether it was the assassination of Martin Luther King, JFK, you had the oil embargo of the 70s. There's tremendous amount of turmoil in the 60s and 70s. And as the 80s came, that sort of triumvirate of, of Mr. Mulroney, Margaret Thatcher, and, and, and uh, Ronald Reagan, you know, there was a fundamental reset uh, in many ways in regards, first of all, our relationship, but in regards to our economy. You may disagree with certain policies from any of those leaders, but collectively, the West moved uh, in the right direction, which was, uh, you know, strong economies, building those economies, building uh, the connectivity with our economies and collectively within just the three countries, but the G7 as well, that overall uh, we did better with all three of them and their relationship because it was strong. And I think that was carried on, to be very blunt, uh, by Mr. Chrétien, Tony Blair and Bill Clinton as well. That era, the, those 20 or 30 years, um, you know, what you saw there more than any, in my opinion, was elected officials. They may not agree on everything. But they worked together to make sure we still had economic prosperity and, broadly speaking, heading in the right direction. And sometimes today, days, days like uh, the era that we're in now, you don't get that sense. And that's what's uh, incredibly frustrating. Mr. Mulroney did not agree with everything Ronald Reagan did or Margaret Thatcher. And in fact, in the issue of apartheid, uh, they were not as vocal as he was when it comes to apartheid. And because Nelson Mandela personally thanked Mr. Mulroney for being so vocal and speaking out. Um, but he always had a strong relationship with the Iron Lady. He always had a strong relationship with Ronald Reagan. So there's a lot of lessons there that I think modern day elected officials could learn from in regards to how Brian Mulroney navigated not just the local issues, the domestic issues, but international issues as well. Jazz, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much tonight. Thank you. On to our continuing coverage of the life and legacy, the very rich life and the very large legacy of our 18th Prime Minister, Brian Mulroney, who passed away today at the age of 84, um, surrounded by his family, uh, according to his daughter, Carolyn, who posted uh, to social media saying, on behalf of my mother and our family, it is with great sadness we announce the passing of my father, 
the right honorable Brian Mulrooney. He died peacefully surrounded by family, she posted uh, to social media. There have been tributes pouring out, of course, all evening. Um, one of the most interesting things, this is an update, and I want to thank my global news colleague, Mike Armstrong, who posted this to social media just now. We've been talking a bit about the rift between uh, Brian Mulroney and Lucien Bouchard. Of course, they were close uh, political colleagues, and then there was a division uh, in, in the 90s, and then Lucien Bouchard, of course, went off to form uh, the Bloc Québécois, become its first leader, nearly lead Quebec to separation soon after in 1995. And there had been, apparently, there had been a rift in that friendship. But according to Mike, and he was saying he'd heard this earlier, that they had made up in recent months. They had had a deep friendship, of course, for decades. Meech got, got in the way. Uh, they had a class reunion last fall and buried the hatchet, Mike writes. And Bouchard says they spoke often, even last Friday. Uh, Prime Minister Trudeau uh, spoke tonight of uh, Brian Mulroney saying he had the courage to do big things. He was committed to this country, loved it with all his heart, and served it in many, 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 for many, many, many years in many different ways. He was an extraordinary statesman, and he will be deeply missed. And Conservative leader Pierre Polyev saying the opposition, uh, saying that he was Canada's greatest ever statesman, or one of Canada's greatest ever statesmen. Um, he loved to have a conversation, or loved to have conversation. He was a brilliant conversationalist and a wonderful storyteller. If you've ever spent time uh, with Brian Mulroney, as I did had the chance to do a few times, spot on. He loved to tell a good story, amongst many other things. Jean Chrétien, uh, the former prime minister, was also up today at the House of Commons uh, to pay tribute to uh, one of his predecessors. Uh, here's what he had to say about Brian Mulroney. He was involved in many controversial, controversial files, and it's better to be involved than not to be involved. Many times we did not agree, but in reality, in three different referendums, we were on the same side. Jean Chrétien, they're better to be involved than not involved, he says. Raymond Blake is a professor in the Department of History at the University of Regina. He's a fellow with the Royal Society of Canada and author of Transforming the Nation, Canada and Brian Mulrooney. Uh, Raymond, thank you so much for your time tonight. Well, thank you very much for I inviting me. I, I look forward to our chat. Yeah, it's been interesting to listen tonight about um, about people's thoughts and people's memories and people's recollections of Brian Mulroney's time in power, his time after he was in power, and just the impact that it had. But, um, you know, your, the, the title of your book says it all, doesn't it? Transforming the Nation. He was, in so many ways, a transformative prime minister, a transformative political figure in this country. You know, he, he was, and it's, of course, the title of the book. And, you know, the country has had, you know, um, Quite a few prime ministers, you know, 18, he was the 18, but most of them were, you know, continued on as they found the country. And there were a few that were transformative. And I make the case in the book that Brian Mulroney was one of them for a variety of reasons, not only while he was in office, but also when he left office, some of the things that he had argued for and the opposition parties very much criticized and disagreed with, in the end, embraced some of the ideas that he had purported and fought for and lost over when he was prime minister. 
Yeah, tell me a bit about that, because when one looks at his political career just, just that time between the time he rose to leader of the Conservative Party, party that by the time he was gone, it was a decade, right? It wasn't an eternity in, in, in political terms. Uh, and, and yet, and he went from the heights of a, of a, of a landslide win in 1984, uh, although he was no longer the head of the party by the time Kim Campbell assumed the mantle for the election in 1993, where they lost to Jean Chrétien, where the party was essentially wiped out. Um, it, it's hard not to look back at his time in power and think about the many risks that he took to become that trans political risks to become that transformative prime minister that he was. Yes, absolutely. And not only did he transform the country, you know, he transformed the conservative party on, you know, the important issue of, of bilingualism. There were many people in the conservative party who were not very supportive of the official languages act. And when he became prime minister or when he became leader of the Liberal Party, there was a real fight going on, particularly in Manitoba, over the use of French language. And that many people in the Conservative Party were supporting the opponents of bilingualism in Manitoba. And Mulroney made it very, very clear from day one that if they were going to be members of the Conservative Party under his leadership, bilingualism was not an item to be discussed. And so he made it very clear that the Conservative Party has been on the wrong side of that issue for a long time, but not his Conservative Party, certainly not. And that was just from the beginnings. But he then, you know, waffled on a couple of things like his stand on free trade. But free trade fundamentally changed changed Canada. And for a very long time, really, back to the, you know, John A. McDonald's time, there was a real concern about, oh, if we open up our borders to trade with the Americans, it's going to be the end of Canada. Of course, John Turner, a liberal leader campaign on, you know, Mulroney is selling the country to the Americans. And if we go to yeah. free trade, we will certainly lose Canadian sovereignty. Raymond Blake, he's the professor, and he's a professor in the Department of History at the University of Regina. He is the author of a book called Transforming the Nation, Canada and Brian Mulroney. Um, Raymond, we, when we left, uh, we were speaking a bit about uh, just the impact that he had. Um, but, but it was interesting, his, his determination to bring Quebec back into the fold under terms that, that hadn't been acceptable to, to Pierre Elliott Trudeau. Um, but his attempts to bring Quebec back into the fold in many ways kind of end up backfiring for him. And I gather even listening to him, um, talk about it, it was probably the great disappointment of his political career that he wasn't able to write what he saw as that wrong. Yes, indeed. Uh, you know, you're absolutely right. And it's interesting on the inside cover of his memoirs, you know, he, he blames a, several people for the failure of Meech Lake and particularly the recognition of the Distinct Society Clause for Quebec. And, I, you know, I don't know if he ever forgave those those people that he saw as, you know, really didn't want to change and didn't want to sort of recognize the reality that he had to deal with. And he campaigned in 1984 on national reconciliation because his predecessor, who we've talked a lot about today, uh, Pierre Trudeau, you, you know, had left the country in pretty rough shape. And there were real pockets that were very, very angry with the way that Mr. Trudeau had created Canada. And Mulroney came in believing that it was his 
responsibility and duty to to correct this and to bring back national unity. And he thought he could do that by getting rid of the National Energy Program, uh, reaching out to Newfoundland over offshore oil, and certainly dealing with the fact that Quebec had not been a participant in the final days of the patriation of the Constitution. Yeah, and, and ultimately, it, I guess when we look back at that part of his legacy, where do you think it fell apart? Was it just too, it, was it too high a mountain to climb even then to try and bring all these disparate parties together? Because we think back to Charlottetown, it was just a few uh, dissenting voices that kind of, that kind of crushed Charlottetown. Um, but he just wasn't able to bring that across the line. And I think that was a very difficult line to cross. Well, indeed. And, you know, we sometimes forget that he was able to bring the premiers together, all 10 of them, uh, in Meech Lake and agree that the five you know, items in the Meech Lake, but most importantly, decentralization of the Federation, the recognition of uh, distinct society for Quebec, and allowing the provinces to participate in some national institutions like appointments to Senate and so on. The, the premiers agreed, and, but yet you know, he was not able, they were not able to sell it to Canadians. And, of course, Mr. Trudeau, Pierre Trudeau, came out very much opposed to it. And, and Canadians you know, came up with this notion that, you know, in constitutional negotiation, it has to be a people's process. But even back in 1982, just a couple of years earlier, it was very much, you know, 10 men in suits uh, getting together, or 11 men in suits getting together and, and came, bringing the Constitution back, giving us the, uh, the Charter of Rights, except, of course, Quebec backed out in the end. And uh, But Mulroney, it, it, you know, sometimes he was his own worst enemy. Uh, hyperbole sort of got him into trouble. Uh, you know, is sometimes his public antics sort of ripping up the Meech Lake Accord, saying, you know, it's the end of the country if we don't do this. And, and so we really had a way to get under people's skin uh, by certainly the late 80s and certainly into the 90s before he did finally uh, resign as, as party leader and prime minister. Yeah, when you, when you look at when you look back at his legacy uh, as prime minister, what I mean to you? I mean, you wrote a book about this. What really stood out to you? And, when, and we look back at it now with the benefit of hindsight, and that's always difficult because I think at the time it was easy to fail to recognize how much he had changed the country in his short uh, in his nine years or his eight years plus. Um, and that's often the case when it comes to prime ministers. But in his case, I think it was particularly true that we spent a lot of time uh, letting us get let him letting him get under people's skin. We sort of focused on a bit of the trivialities around his relationship with Ronald Reagan and the, the buddiness, the sort of the buddy-buddy relationship that he had with Ronald Reagan and so on. And I think it overshadowed in some ways some of the very good work that he had done. It's, even on the environment, I think, was something that was very much overlooked for a very long time. So when you, with the benefit of hindsight, as we look back on Brian Mulroney tonight, what, what would you consider to be his, his greatest achievement as prime minister? Well, you, you know, one of the things that he had a great capacity to see was, you know, what was necessary going forward 
And when you look at it, and you mentioned the environment, and, and you look at distinct society, uh, all of those things, free trade, the GST, you know, the liberals, Mr. Kretchen, who spoke very glowingly of Mr. Mulroney today, you know, said when he becomes prime minister, he's not going to ratify the North American free trade agreement. The GST is going to go. You remember probably Sheila Copps resigned uh, because uh, the GST had to go. But yet the liberals embraced those things. And Mr. Kretchen himself, who was very much opposed in 1984 to free to distinct society for Quebec, in fact, did that after the 1995 referendum. So many of the things that Mulroney wanted to do and his opponents said no, turned around later on and embraced almost all of them. Yeah, and what, there is no greater compliment, I suppose, to a previous administration than the next administration essentially leaving their most controversial policies in place. Absolutely. And Mulroney, I think uh, he came to my class uh, a couple of years ago. And, How was that? Uh, and spoke How was to that? The student. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I just got out of my class tonight, and one of the students was an undergraduate who's now a graduate student in that class, and, you know, reminded us that. Mr. Marooney came. He said he had 50 minutes to spend with the students. He spent almost two hours, and, he, and this was on Zoom. And he and he sort of talked to each one of them individually, asked about their parents, and talked about being to Regina as a as a worker for Alvin Hamilton and John Diefenbaker. And and the student said he remembers it so well because Marooney seemed so interested in each of one of those, you know, 14 or 15 students in the class and allowed each of them to ask them a question. Charming, delightful. He certainly had all of those things. And, and you know, on a one-to-one basis, Mulroney was just a remarkable politician and perhaps a genuine individual who cared about, you know, those young men and women uh, long distance from him. But he made, he made them feel important. Yeah, and I don't think you can, honestly, no matter how good a politician you are, I don't think you can fake what Brian Mulroney had, that ability to connect, that ability to connect with other people and make them feel as if he cared about what they were saying. I mean, even the stories about him calling up other MPs or calling people when their parents were sick or they had something going on with them, that was legendary, his ability to just always reach out. I mean, he was someone who connected, right? I mean, I guess at the end of the day, that really was his his superpower was that he was able to connect with people, whether they be world leaders like a Margaret Thatcher or a Ronald Reagan or the students in your class. You know, absolutely. And when I was doing the book on Mulroney, you know, he called me several times and he called at very interesting times, like on a Saturday evening uh, when we were probably, you know, most Canadians on Saturday evening, you get together with your friends and have a few beer or whatever. And, and you know, the phone would ring and we'd be in another room and, and, and my wife would come in and say, I think it's Brian Mulroney. He wants to speak to you. Mr. Mulroney, what are you doing on a Saturday evening? But he probably knew there would be people in the house. Yeah. <laughs> but that was the type of individual he was, uh, a very charming. And, and he never asked, you know, what are they saying about me? He, he just said, you know, oh, I'm delighted you're writing a book. Uh, it'll be interesting to read. And uh, I think he was a little worried what might be in it. And he never asked to see the chapters. But uh, he probably would have been pleased to know that the title of the book was Transforming the Nation because he firmly believed, I think, that he did transform Canada and made it a better nation. Raymond Blake, uh, I appreciate your time and your thoughts and your memories of Brian Mulroney tonight. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for having me, and it is a sad day. Thanks a lot. 
to our 18th Prime Minister Brian Mulroney who passed away today at the age of 84 surrounded by family. It was his daughter Carolyn Mulroney, Mulroney who's of course a cabinet minister in the provincial conservative government in Ontario that uh, shared the news today. Uh, there's been lots of reaction to it. We've heard from uh, academics, authors, people who worked with him, people who've met him uh, and people who covered him over the years. Journalist Louise Wallace-Richmond has a different experience with Brian Mulroney. She's a former parliamentary page in Ottawa. He, she was there when Brian Mulroney became prime minister 40 years ago this year in 1984. Um, she was a city councillor for the city of Salmon Arm in BC. Um, Louise, thank you so much for your time tonight. Oh, thank you for calling. Yeah, what an interesting perspective you would have. I was thinking, of course, it was 40 years ago today that uh, Pierre-Elliott Trudeau resigned, and uh, just a little later in the year, Brian Mulroney became prime minister in that massive win, and you were there, there to see quite a bit of it right from the front lines. I was. I was there the night he won. Yeah. How was that? It was, it was, so we were, so we were pages, we were like, like 18, 19, sitting in the chambers at the House of Commons watching, like, him come to power, and it was, it was, a, it, it was really um, quite transformative to watch um, a change in uh, government. Right. And I'm so grateful, and I'm, I, I, I feel so much, so much sadness today. Yeah. What was it like? I mean, you would have been there when he would have began Parliament, I think. Were you still there when he when he spent his first days as Prime Minister? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I was there. And um, it, the funny thing is, there were so few Liberals uh, elected that we had to learn all the news. So one of the things you have to do as a page is to know every single member of Parliament's name. And so they gave us cue cards so that we would remember everybody's single name right. and everybody's single picture and um i i just feel so i like i i really uh, it was tough today today was a tough day thinking yeah. about that day when i had to learn all the things and and to and and to have to say goodbye because he was he was kind he was careful yeah. he was yeah yeah, what, what were your what were your interactions with him? Uh, I guess you would, didn't have to well, didn't have to learn his name and picture, but what were, what were your interactions with him, if any? <laughs> well, no. So he was always very. Um, he understood young people have, uh, like I was young at the time, and he understood that um, young people had something to contribute to society, and he was very kind and always very. Um, considerate of us and he never treated us badly and he always had deceptions and we would go and he you know he was just a lovely human yeah yeah it's it's interesting to have those memories of him uh, of of course and so your thoughts yeah, today I, I guess i guess it must have been difficult to hear i mean we knew he hadn't been well for a while he was 84 but yeah. uh, always difficult to, to say goodbye to someone who would have had such a left such an impression yeah. on you at a, at a depressional age yeah, he, like he really, he really cared about young people, and he really believed that young people could change the world. And um, you know, regardless of partisan politics, he believed in young people, and I knew that from the time that I met him. Yeah. That he thought young people would change the world, and I still believe that. So, to learn of his loss today, it was it was a tough day. Well, Louise, I appreciate your thoughts on this tonight. Thank you so much. Thank you. 
pay tribute to our 18th Prime Minister, Brian Mulroney, a passed away today at the age of 84, surrounded by his family. We've been spending the evening looking back at his incredible life and very rich legacy. It was a divisive one, there is no doubt, but it was also a um, grand one, wasn't it, in so many ways. The things that he brought forth in his time and power uh, were transformative to this country, whether it be free trade, uh, whether it be foreign policy such as the end of apartheid or his relationship with the U.S., uh, his attempts to bring Quebec back into the fold with Meech Lake and Charlottetown, even the GST, amongst other things. His environmental policies were, were recently lauded as him being the greenest prime minister of all. Let me take you back now. We've been talking today about the fact that it was 40 years ago on this day, leap year, leap day, uh, 1984, that Pierre Elliott Trudeau announced his resignation. And not much longer, not much longer after September 4th, 1984, we would have a new prime minister in a landslide from a new party, a changing of the guard altogether, despite, except for that brief time with Joe Clark, obviously. Um, but in come, in come the conservatives with a massive majority, 211 seats, one of the, or the biggest federal landslide of all time, and a young leader, an ambitious leader, a confident guy. And here is Brian Mulroney from that night, September 4th, 1984 as incoming Prime Minister. The country has spoken. The real country nurtured by its past sacrifices, by the latent strength of its people, and by its awareness of its place in the world, Canada has responded to a call to unity, to reconciliation, and to the definition of new national goals. Let it be clear to all that the Canadian people have reminded their leaders of the path they shall always want this nation to follow, the path of tolerance and dialogue of compassion and respect for minorities, of hard work and unshakable faith in the human spirit. If you think about what would happen in the years that followed that speech, it says a lot about his approach to things because there was that combination of sort of uh, of, of economics, of sort of the driving the country forward economically, of sort of taking us out of our of our shell, of our, prote our protective shell that we had been li living in for quite some time, a fear of our neighbor to the south, and, and what uh, and what more integration might mean for Canada. Would we be swallowed up by it? Would we benefit from it, right? Uh, and of course, his whole message about tolerance, and certainly when it came to the French language about different forms of rights, he certainly believed in that. Um, the person that he would, one of his rivals within the Conservative Party, uh, wrote a very touching note tonight. Joe Clark says, Brian was one of Canada's great change makers, determined to move the country forward and with an instinct to respect differences and an extraordinary capacity to reconcile. He was bold, a big dreamer and an unparalleled negotiator and persuader, both at home in Canada and in the larger world. Brian and I met decades ago as young partisans from small towns in distant parts of a big country, drawn by politics and public service. Often we were allies, sometimes competitors, and then became colleagues uh, in and beyond national government. I am grateful for his extraordinary service and his friendship and mourn his loss. Joe Clark, uh, writing tonight uh, on social media about the passing of Brian Mulroney. Um, Jean Chrétien also uh, was on Parliament Hill earlier this evening, paying tribute uh, to one of his predecessors. He was himself from a minority. He was Anglo in Quebec, while I was Franco in the rest of the land. And, you know, but it was possible coming from rural Quebec to move up the ladder to be 
Prime Minister of Canada as he was, very successful one. Jean Chrétien, a reminder that, of course, they both came from small-town Quebec, right? One from Shawinigan, one from Bay Como, although very different upbringings. I mean, in many senses, different linguistic upbringings, but both the parents uh, were working class. Both their fathers uh, were working class. Um, and so they had some of the same feistiness. You can see a little bit of the Brian Mulroney feistiness and the Jean Chrétien feistiness, although they might present it slightly different. Someone who knows Brian Mulroney well and has lots of great stories to share about him is Arthur Milnes. He's a public historian and political speechwriter. He served as the memoirs assistant to the late Prime Minister for five years during the early 2000s. He's been with us before. Uh, Arthur, welcome back. Thank you. Hi, thanks, Ben. Thanks, Ben. What a, uh, what a legacy to reflect on. Eh? And a lot of, some of my thoughts are, well, obviously are personal. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you, you, written, you wrote a great article a, a while back about just meeting. And this is one thing, I mean, I've, I didn't spend nearly as much, obviously didn't spend as much time with him, but no one that you spoke to, regardless of their political stripes, whoever spent more than 10 minutes with Brian Mulroney doesn't walk away with something nice to say about him. No, and also uh, what, it was not, he meant it. Like it was, uh, he was a natural, you know, and, but it wasn't cynical or anything. Like he, he, when he f- would phone an opponent or something, he meant it. He's Irish. And I know I was in the recipient of uh, calls that uh, from him and that will mean so much to me the rest of my life, uh, the night my father died. Uh, yeah. He called, and uh, he and I had worked together, um, me more as editor, to be honest, uh, on the account of the night his own father died. And uh, that was a real, uh, a really difficult moment for Brian Mulroney. And uh, he, knowing that and reading, uh, having had the privilege of being the first person to read what he wrote about his father's death, the call he made to me meant uh, all the more. You know, yeah. I knew, so so he was uh, he was something else. The other thing I've been thinking, um, I've been thinking a lot is how funny he was. He's one yeah. of the funniest. Well, I know, or I knew, you know, and one of my favorite stories, and I remember him telling it to me, and the two of us, at first I said, I said, sir, that didn't really happen, and he said, look it up, right, so I did. Anyway, he's uh, on a, uh, uh, a tour of South Africa, or of Africa, Southern Africa, when he's Prime Minister, 1987, and he's in Zimbabwe, and his uh, staffs, you know, Zimbabwe, they had their Prime Minister, that Robert Mugabe, uh, um, uh, fellow, uh, mm-hmm. but they also had a ceremony. Who was prime minister? But they also had a ceremonial uh, president. And Maroney says, "Why? Well, why do I have to, you know, see him? It's going to be trouble." And the, the staff said, "Why?" And Maroney said, "Look at his name. Well, his name was President Banana." <laughs> and and so he went in and had his courtesy meeting with the uh, uh, President Banana, and he knew that the press. Uh, the press were going to have some good questions for him. So sure enough, he walked out, and uh, Bob Fife said, Prime Minister, how were your discussions with President Banana? And without batting an eye, Mr. Mulroney said, fruitful. (laughs) That's one of my favorites. Yeah. I mean, there was a joke that I think he told a lot of people that I'll share very briefly here about being in an elevator at a hotel in Toronto. And, uh, you know, the usual look of recognition that someone of his stature would get and this woman looks over at him and says, do you know you look just like Brian Mulroney? Has anyone ever told you that? Um, and he was sort of getting ready to – getting puffed up and getting ready to be recognized. And, and she looks at him and in a, in a beat, looks at him and says, 
that must really pee you off. <laughs> he says, yeah. but he, yeah, would, I he, mean, that, he, he told he, me he that joke in of himself, yeah. uh, yeah. so much. And, uh, and, but, but I, as I look back on it, um, I know a lot of people much more important than I are saying this, but, but you could agree with Brian Mulroney or you could disagree with Brian Mulroney. It didn't matter. You could never ignore him as a Canadian. And also, he touched every third rail in Canadian politics that there is. The Constitution, free trade with the United States of America, privatization, so much more. So if you were a citizen, as you and I were growing up at that time, he gave you very serious, real issues to contend with, to discuss with your family, your friends, your fellow students. And that free trade election of 1988, I, I, I feel so privileged that I was there for it. And I remember arguing with my grandmother, and we would argue at school or at university. And, and for seven weeks, two great Canadians, John Turner and Brian Mulroney, ran around Canada and they fought about an issue. And we were engaged. And I don't think anybody lost that election. That was democracy. That was what it's supposed to be about, an issue-based, not attacking each other on Twitter and all this garbage today. That yeah. was politics, and that was leadership. And, and, and the fact that he was willing to, because he paid a very steep political price oh. for touching those third rails. And, and interesting, I mean, you, you worked on his memoirs. I've always been curious to know what he thought of those risks that he took about go aiming for the fences. And, you know, if you fly close to the sun, you know what, I'm, I'm mixing my metaphors here, but you know, when, when you fly close to the sun, bad things can happen. And he certainly took those risks and paid the price politically ultimately. Well, at his core though, uh, that was a great question by the way. And at its core, he always believed that Canadians would respond to leadership, leadership of your party, of your cabinet, you know, uh, et cetera, leadership in the House. So even if they didn't like you, um, even if they didn't, disagreed with you, they would respect if you offered them leadership. And uh, I think he's right, and I wish today more were doing this. Challenge me as a, as a challenge me like Brian Mulroney did, you know? Uh, uh, take me to your policy place. I might fight against you, but uh, take me there, convince me. And he was confident in the end, free trade in particular, uh, he was confident that Canadians would choose leadership. Uh, and in the end, uh, he was right. When he, um, when he was looking back at those issues, was there any one thing that he was most, in, in dealing with his memoirs, I mean, I know a lot of this was very personal, um, was there any one thing that he really wanted to focus on? Is, is there something about his time in office or even afterwards that he felt really defined him? Well, um, Probably the saddest thing for him mm -hmm. and the most difficult passages that he worked on uh, were uh, regarding the Meech Lake Accord mm -hmm. and the defeat of the Meech Lake Accord. Uh, Quebec, uh, getting Quebec to sign the Constitution and Quebec's place in a strong and united Canada, that was fundamental to uh, Brian Mulroney's core. And that, that started not not when he entered politics, but that started when he was a young man in isolated Quebec uh, for a conservative, an English-speaking conservative, as his era. Uh, he, he had quite a, uh, a unique uh, understanding of Quebec, 
and he wrote about it even in his ma his uh, undergraduate ma major thesis when in 1959 when he was a student, and he talked about how we have to ensure unity between English French, but that Quebec was unique and distinct within the Confederation, and uh, it was all there. That was his, you know, the uh, major part of his career, and uh, um, he he was always sad uh, the rest of his life that uh, Meech Lake didn't go through. At all times, my every effort was devoted to our common dream of a better and more united and more prosperous Canada for them, for us, and for our children. Obviously, I didn't always succeed, but I always tried to do what I thought would be right for Canada in the long term, not what could be politically popular in the short term. Brian Mulroney, um just a little over 31 years ago tonight, February 24th, 1993, he announced he was stepping down, telling reporters he did his best during his more than eight years as Prime Minister. Arthur Milnes is with us this half hour as we look back at the life and legacy of Brian Mulroney, who passed away today at the age of 84. He is a public historian, political speechwriter. He served as memoirs assistant to Brian uh, Mulroney for five years in the early 2000s. Arthur, you tell some remarkable stories about going driving down from Kingston, where you're based, um, to Montreal, to Westmount, to go spend time with, with the former prime minister, uh, and, and just those nights, and just getting to sit, sort of, and listen to him talk, and, and it was those are remarkable stories. Very few would have ever had that experience, Arthur. It, uh, I felt very privileged, and uh, my favorite moments were, you know, um, it, it's hard to explain this to people, but sitting down for seven, eight hours and getting interviewed. Uh, um, uh, you know, by somebody about details of your life and having to sometimes uh, remember things you don't want to remember and things like that uh, is is hard. It's hard work, <laughs> and it is for the interviewer too or the researcher. I would spend probably I figured I remember I tried to figure it out once. I'm going to say about 50 hours in the archives for every hour I spent with him, probably. And uh, but those at the end of it, we'd both be exhausted. And, uh, you know, we'd have coffee or something, and uh, we'd just talk. And I remember one late afternoon, um, uh, he looked at me and he said, ah, let's, you know, let's can this. Let's let's have some fun, Arthur. And I said, what do you mean? He said, let's watch Question Period. So, <laughs> so I sat there with a, you know, past prime minister of my country uh, who, you know, knew a thing or two <clears throat> about Question Period. And it was fascinating to watch it with him because – there was no partisan. There was no politics in it. He 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 would say, "Oh, you know, wow, you know, Prime Minister Harper did this. That's excellent." Now watch Arthur. Uh, you know, like it was like what you would imagine watching a Stanley Cup game with Maurice Richard would have been. You know? <laughs> right. And yeah. uh, and also, there's a lot of personal discussions we had. You know, he got to know my family, and I got to know his, and uh, it was. But but those afternoons were. Uh, uh, were something else, and uh, I'll tell you a funny story if you want. I don't think I've ever told this one before, but uh, uh, he uh, he would be the first to say this. So he spent too much time following the press. Okay, <laughs> and uh, one time uh, he asked me to phone a reporter, and I said, "No way!" I said, "Just forget it, forget it." And uh, and I said, "If if we, you know we do that, you're going to get yourself in trouble." You know, I mean, I don't remember what the story was, so I went back to my hotel. And I watched the news, 
that night, and there, like the third story in, was Mr. Mulroney getting attacked. <laughs> right. <laughs> Over exactly what he had asked me to do, right? I would have just made it worse. So uh, I came in the next day and walked into his study, and I said, good morning, Mr. Mulroney. And he said, you know, he said, good morning, Arthur. And uh, I said, he said to me, did you happen to watch the news last night? <laughs> I said, well, yes, sir, I did. And there was a, a very fascinating story about you, about the third or fourth story in. And he looked at me and he said, yes, Arthur. Yeah, that, that's very true. Let that be a lesson to you. Happiness is working for a former prime minister who's full of shit. <laughs> I'll never forget that. So it was a lot of fun uh, with him. And, yeah. Uh, you know, he's a phone guy, too. So uh, I spent oh, yeah. more hours talking to Brian Mulroney in the... Uh, Isles of Loblaws uh, <laughs> than uh, than anybody I have ever spent talking on the phone with. So he was I, a I, phone I, guy. And, uh, I was always curious. Did, did he have any hobbies? Was. Did he have any hobbies? Like, I mean, it feels like he spent his entire life kind of networking and talking and doing his thing and writing and thinking. And I always wonder if he had any sort of. Did he relax? Did he have hobbies and things like that? Well, it's been said by others, but I, I got to see it. Okay. And he would, you could physically see Mr. Mulroney physically change and, and just get more relaxed and, and happy when a member, his wife, Mila, or any member of any of his children walked into the room. It, it, it was totally that. You ask about his hobby, what he truly loved, that was what he truly loved was his family. And, and like I said, you could see it. And, uh, was, uh, you know, one of the great honors for me is I did get to know, uh, his, uh, his wife and his children and, uh, they, uh, you know, they treated me like, uh, um, so well and friendly and, and, uh, helped me out. But also it was, you know, uh, um, I was poking around their private lives, right. And in the archives and everything. So, so, uh, they went out of their way to make me welcome. And I always appreciated that and still do. I'm still friends uh, with, with the Moroni family now. And, uh, you know, that was another thing. But, but to go back to those those afternoon discussions, you know, and I would just throw out questions, you know. And I'm a big history buff. So I'd say, what do you, th- you, know, what do you think about uh, Mackenzie King uh, uh, introducing conscription? And off we'd go and we'd I'd, right. you know, spend an hour. We'd spend an hour talking about these great historical moments uh, from the past, right? And then uh, it was it, it was also uh, one of the most powerful nights for me was a Sunday at his house in Montreal, and we'd uh, uh, we were about sixty or so percent done of, with his book, but he hadn't let me read his private read his private diary that he wrote as prime minister. Uh, he kept a nice journal. Uh, to help him, uh, you know, this is pretty historic stuff. But but he, finally he said to me, he said, okay, you can read the journal. <laughs> and then he left on a business trip, and down I went to the basement uh, where it was kept, and I sat there all by myself in the Moroni basement, and I read, I, I sat there and I read this 1,400 or 1,500 handwritten pages uh, of his accounts of, meetings with Nelson Mandela, or uh, I felt in a small way I was in the room when they were working on Meech Lake. 
Arthur Milnes and I have been paying tribute to the late Brian Mulroney for the past little bit. He's a public historian and political speechwriter. He served as memoirs assistant to Brian Mulroney for several years in the early 2000s. We've been talking about those nights he spent uh, with the late Prime Minister in Westmount, uh, chatting, going over what they were writing about, telling stories, asking questions. When we left Arthur, he was in the basement at the Mulroney home with ex- access at last to Mulroney's private diary and reading through the, the, the handwritten notes. Uh, Arthur, I, I needed to, that's quite the cliffhanger, but you're left alone with the diary of a man who had seen so much history during his time in power. Yeah, and there I was all by myself. And uh, I, I sat there and I went through it once. I honestly don't remember. Really, I can't remember how long it took or whatever. I just read it and then I read it again. And I would say, did he really say that? And then I'd you know, go again. And then in the middle of it all, he phoned me. And, uh, you know, yeah, I can't remember, but I'm thinking Cleveland is where he was, where he got to. It was late at night, and he phoned me from his hotel. And he said, you read it? And I said, yes, sir. And he said, so? And I said, well, it's too bad we can't quote, nobody quotes Richard Nixon anymore, because that line in his uh, first inaugural uh, that I love uh, really uh, makes sense to me now. And he says, I bet you you know the one, and I know the one. And I said, you got it, sir. And uh, it was, you know, no man is truly whole until he's uh, part of a cause much larger larger than himself. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, that's how I felt. Uh, I, 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 I've been a, a student of prime ministerial history my entire life. And uh, in my own small way, I, I felt an affinity at that moment with, uh, you know, the... Uh, uh, assistant uh, who first read the Mackenzie King's diaries or uh, uh, Robert Borden's memoirs assistant uh, who read Mr. Bo- Sir Robert's uh, memoirs. A very powerful moment, and I felt very, very privileged. Yeah. And- w- w- it's interesting because you mentioned it before we were when we were discussing it earlier. He was sort of discussing, you know, meeting Nelson Mandela and, and yeah. just the incredible things he would have seen over that time. Was there anything about as we talk about him tonight? Was there anything about his memories that surprised you? Things that you mightn't have thought he would have um, not controversial necessarily, but are there things that really stood out to you about the way that he approached? Because it must have been such a whirlwind, so much happening all at once between 1984. And 1993, between the fall of the Berlin Wall, I mean, it was just there was so much history going on. You know, the free, freedom for the Eastern European countries of the former Soviet bloc. I mean, again, there was just so much stuff going on all at once, and it must have been hard for him to sort of stop and think about it. Yeah, it was like talk about being at the center of a of a storm, right? Internationally and uh, domestically, bilaterally with the United States, it uh, it was quite a time uh, when you think back about it and and I was lucky in the sense that I had lived through most of these events uh that that well, all of them I guess uh, I think I took, my first vote was in 1984 uh in September 4th 1984 I just turned 18 so I so I had a general understanding but then to see what uh went into some of these de- decisions that not just our government but other governments uh, took and what what really impressed me uh, as a uh, you know to, to, as a student of history uh, and as a Canadian was his effectiveness on the international scene, and he used every little lever that he could uh, to get K- 
Canada's position known. And uh, he paid political blood for some of it. And mm-hmm. everybody, I remember our professors used to tell us how he was, you know, toadying to the Americans and things like that. And I remember I had these these professors' names in my, our professors' words in my head, and uh, none of them will be ever heard of again, but Brian Mulroney sure was. And uh, uh, I would think of those professors, and there I would be reading note-takers' reports of Brian Mulroney taking a, taking a run at Ronald Reagan, telling right. Ronald Reagan to his face that President Reagan was wrong uh, on Central America. Uh, and things like that, or fighting with uh, uh, Margaret Thatcher. There's a uh, there was a famous meeting about apartheid that the two at leaders a, had. Yeah, at Mirabel Airport, at, I think. I think he told at me Mirabelle this story. Mirabel Airport, you're right. Yeah. yeah, and there was blood on the floor. Like mm-hmm. for someone who was viewed as a toady sometimes, uh, of you know some of these leaders to uh, to uh, read read those uh, that transcript. Because I got to read all the note takers' transcripts of all every single meeting he had with world leaders mm-hmm. over uh, nine years, and uh, uh, he, 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 he was he was just so effective. He he, um, he he would have the personal story, the personal anecdote. Uh, uh, he would he always did his homework. That's for sure, and uh, he knew the history of uh, the previous leaders and uh, the great moments in that country's history. And he also, and this is probably what I love about him most, and uh, uh, though despite despite the fact that he 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 made you know he he made history and he won two majorities, and uh, and he himself touched history the way he did. He still, in so many ways, was that young kid from Bay Como, from nowhere, Quebec who uh, loved the game of politics, loved the humor of it, loved the thrust, the fight of it. Like he, he just loved what he did. And that, that he was almost like a, a young person, you know, so excited yeah. by it. And that never left him, never left him at all. Yeah. I, 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 no was, kidding. Uh, yeah, he turned on question period when you were there. He must have he loved was, it. Right? But also, yeah. he, he would go to the White House, right? And he'd be thrilled. He'd be that kid from them, uh, from Big Como, like I would be or you would be. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he was excited about that stuff, but he didn't get in the way of his job. No, uh, he, he, he never he, lost he, the sense I, of wonder. You mean, he never, he never lost that sense of wonder. Better for, yeah, uh, you, 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 you nailed it better than I did. Yeah, just a sense of wonder. And uh, the other thing I found most fascinating, actually, was... Um, uh, the months and months I spent learning about his early life mm-hmm. uh, from from his time in Bay Como on through university. And, and he, it's quite a story. Again, uh, this is a, a man from, you know, I don't want to cut up Bay Como, but, it may, you know, he's off. It's, a, it's out of the way. It's out of the way. Yeah. There's no two ways. Yeah. And here he is in university phoning Prime Minister John Diefenbaker and getting through. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and uh, and I'll never forget reading in his files a uh, telegram, uh, a telegram. Uh, you know, he was always after Diefenbaker because he felt quite rightly that Dief uh, wasn't coming to terms with the reality of French Quebec, particularly right. at the time of the Quiet Revolution. And I'll never forget. There's this five-page telegram I started reading. Yeah. 
It's in his files. <laughs> and it said, Dear Chief, as per our telephone discussion last night. <laughs> so here's a guy sitting in his residence room at Laval on phone calls with the Prime Minister of Canada. And he even brought Prime Minister Diefenbaker to one of his law classes one day to talk to the students, right? And, and um, so there's all that. But also, he was a very important player. Uh, in the uh, was. Progressive Conservative Party as a young man. He played yeah. an oversized role. Uh, built his way up? And, Arthur, I'm going to have to leave it there. We've, we've, uh, thank you so much for sharing all of those stories. You probably know more about Brian Mulroney than, than most of us will ever know. So I really appreciate yeah. you digging into the memory bank tonight to share some of those great and unique stories. Yeah, he used to joke that I knew more about him than he did. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good night. 40 years after Pierre Elliott Trudeau resigned and uh, all of a sudden the new Conservative Party leader, Brian Mulroney, was front and centre. We You kind of got the sense watching clips from back then that he was destined to become Prime Minister. And sure enough, um, not many months later, just six months later, six months and a few days, he would be. And here's what he had to say. On September 4th, 1984, after a landslide victory for him and the Progressive Conservatives. Ultimately, no one will have lost this election if it serves to consolidate our determination as a people and enhance our unity as a nation. The, the country as a whole has opted for the Progressive Conservative Party. So sweeping is this expression of confidence that I am genuinely torn between two feelings. First, a deep sense of gratitude towards the Canadian electorate who have given us an historic opportunity to serve. And secondly, the recognition of the enormous responsibility with which we have been entrusted. Brian Mulroney speaking there on September the 4th, 1984, after winning what is still the biggest landslide in federal political history, 211 seats, I believe it was. He's, of course, survived by his longtime wife, Mila, and his children, Carolyn, Ben, Mark, and Nicholas, uh, and their families, of course. Uh, sympathies to them as well tonight. It was Carolyn who uh, sits in Doug Ford's cabinet uh, with the Ontario Conservatives who announced the news on social media earlier today. Well, Craig Baird uh, hosts the Canadian History X podcast on Chorus. He's been spending a lot of today sort of looking back and in, to the history of Brian Mulroney. A lot of images. Uh, Craig, thank you so much for your time today. Oh, thanks for having me. It's been interesting just to see what you've been posting, because if you look at it by image, and you've been posting a lot of really great photographs, uh, there is some real history there. It reminds you of just how much... Uh, happened in his eight years in power, eight plus years. Uh, there's a great picture of him and Nelson Mandela. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, when we think of Brian Mulroney, we often think of things near the end of his uh, time as prime minister with NAFTA, Meech Lake, Charlottetown, GST, but he had a huge role in helping to end apartheid in South Africa and really stood alone in that regard because at the time, a lot of the British Commonwealth was not in favor of sanctions, especially Margaret Thatcher, but Brian Mulroney really pushed for that. So he played a huge role in, in ending apartheid. And one of the first calls that Nelson Mandela made when he was released in February 1990 was to Brian Mulroney. Yeah, and one of his first visits as well, once he was released. Yeah, within six months he was here and uh, spoke to the House of Commons. So he was very thankful to the efforts that not just Brian Mulroney, Joe Clark as well, for helping to end apartheid. 
Yeah, Joe Clark had a nice tribute to his uh, what sometime competitor but longtime colleague uh, Brian Mulroney tonight as well. You interestingly enough, and this I don't think we've talked about quite enough tonight, uh, were his environmental policies, his environmental bona fides, which were recognized, I think, not that long ago as being the greenest prime minister of them all. And that is something like apartheid, where a lot of people aren't looking at those things. But his environmental policy really stands on its own. The fact that he brought in two very important uh, acts for environmental assessment and protection. He helped to end acid rain as a major problem because of his work with President H.W. Bush. And then also the Montreal Protocol, which was helping to repair the ozone layer. uh, Montreal hosted that. Mulroney hosted that. And he was one of the first leaders of a G7 and an industrialized nation to really start talking about climate change as a serious issue. And this was back in the late 1980s rather than, you know, just 10 years ago. So he was definitely ahead of things in that regard. But I, a lot of people don't really look at his environmental record. Uh, they're, you know, often overshadowed by other things. Yeah, I mean, I mean, certainly the national unity issue was always a big deal. I guess what happened, I mean, I think what overshadowed if, you know, I was around back then, clearly, what overshadowed some of his successes was the collapse of his party. I mean, by the, by the time 1993 rolls along and Kim Campbell is the candidate or the leader of the Progressive Conservatives, um, the decimation of that party in the 1993 election suggested something, I think, about his legacy uh, that probably wasn't quite true. I mean, there were a lot of political forces happening in our country at that point. Um, and it just so happened that it felt like he had his, his, everything that he had stood for had been decimated on that night when in fact there were many other things going on. And it wasn't just down to Brian Mulroney and his eight plus years in power. Absolutely. When he came into power in 1984, he united all of the conservatives coast to coast from Quebec all the way to Alberta and BC. And that's not an easy thing to do. And then when he, you know, as time went on, that did start to fracture eventually with Meech Lake Accord failing. He, uh, the Bloc Quebecois came into being, then you had the Reform Party pop up. So these cracks were already starting to form even before the 1988 election. So the 1993, what happened there was kind of a foregone conclusion with how everything was starting to fracture at that point. I mean, you're a, you're a, a, a great student of history, a great reader of books of history. What what stands out for you then in, in the Brian Mulroney legacy that we might, we talked a bit about some of the things we don't talk about as much, but what are the things that really jump off the page to you? And again, of course, we have the benefit of hindsight, uh, you know, some 30 plus years after uh, his time in power finished. Um, but what really stood out to you, not just, I guess, not just about his time in power, but just Brian Mulroney's legacy period? Well, looking at his legacy, I think you have to look at two different things. You have to look at the financial legacy with NAFTA, the GST, uh, you know, privatization of things like Air Canada and Petro Canada. And then you have to look at other things like apartheid and his environmental record and some of the other things that he did. So it's kind of a a two-case scenario. I think over time, his legacy has kind of been hurt a bit with the Airbus affair, uh, but then he did recover from that and, you know, Today, he is seen as, or was seen as an elder statesman of the party. He was giving endorsements to people like uh, Stephen Harper and Aaron O'Toole. So he still was an important figure. And, you know, out west where I am in Alberta, he was still a relatively popular person overall. Uh, but 
I think we also have to look at him as, um, as somebody who led his party to a, a monumental victory in 1984. I mean, that was the last time that we had one party win over 50% in every province. He helped bring Quebec into the Conservative fold, which rarely happened in the previous 100 years. So he really reshaped politics uh, to the point that we're feeling it today with you know how many parties there are, the fracturing that's happened uh, coast to coast in terms of uh, politics. Yeah, the last Conservative Prime Minister to win back-to-back majorities, right? We forget, and it's, it goes back mm-hmm. a ways now. My previous guest, Arthur Milnes, said something I thought was interesting, that that one of the things that, that might, have, might have sealed his fate to some extent, both sealed his legacy and sealed his fate, was touching the three, the three, you know, the third rail of, of many Canadian issues, you know, national unity, uh, the relationship with the U.S. and free trade, all things um, that had been issues that can, Canadians were always quite, um, circumspect about, or at least a bit afraid of, and and he just <laughs> barreled right in. I mean, he. I, I always remember in my family the reaction. You know, we're Montreal Irish Catholic family. The reaction to him singing "Irish Eyes Are Smiling" with Ronald Reagan, and it was resoundingly negative, by the way, at the time. And I thought, I look back at it now and think, here we are. We have a fairly close relationship with our closest neighbor. Um, America under Reagan is uh, seeing, you know, the new day that regardless of what you think of his policies, uh, America felt like it was on the ascendancy at that point. Certainly the Cold War felt like it was coming to an end. And here is our prime minister with this very close relationship with Ronald Reagan, one where he could actually be honest with him. And 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 I think sometimes we we sold that. We sold his diplomacy short. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, you mentioned the Shamrock Summit, and we've never seen anything like that before. I would say that that was probably the closest relationship a prime minister and president had, at least in the past 50 years or so. And we do sell his diplomacy short because he really did work that good uh, relationship that he had with President Reagan to create things like dealing with acid rain, things that might not have been as popular for somebody like Reagan. He used that relationship to try and help Canada in other ways. And I think that that is definitely something that we don't look on as much with him. We focus again on things like GST, which was extremely unpopular, but at the same time, no other um, party has ever got rid of it. Liberals could have got rid of it in 1993, but kept it, and it makes up 10% of the government's income right now. So he took on a lot of unpopular issues and in many ways helped make Canada a bit better because of it at the sacrifice of his own own legacy. Yeah. You posted a picture of that debate. I guess it was back in 1984. I mean, it was probably one of the last times we saw a real knockout punch at a debate as well was with, that was with Brian Mulroney and John Turner. Uh, but there's that picture of Brian Mulroney, John Turner, and Ed Broadbent. Of course, we just lost Ed Broadbent a little earlier, uh, just in the last few months. Uh, you know, the changing of a guard in politics. I mean, I thought growing, having grown up, been born in the 70s, I watched that guard change, and now we're we're watching another guard change. Those big names of the 80s, the ones who were there mm-hmm. through free trade and and uh, and through the fall of the Berlin Wall, we're losing them now. And I guess it is a little piece of Canadian history that is going with them. Oh, without a doubt. And many people look back on that nostalgically now, maybe not at the time we did, but definitely now where you could see these leaders and they would argue with each other. But Afterwards, they were very civil to each other. I mean, John Turner and Brian Mulroney were friends. They were friends since the 1960s. So even though that they would spar in the House of Commons, they had a healthy respect for each other. And they knew, you know, one thing was personal, one thing was business. And that seems like something that has definitely started to disappear, this 
bit of uh, chivalry that we had in debates. And, you know, like you said, with Ed Broadbent doing the binoculars with his hands, obviously, yeah. you know, they can argue with each other, but at the end of the day, they don't hate each other. Yeah. Uh, Jean Chrétien often talks about it. He spoke about it again tonight when he was paying tribute to Brian Mulroney saying, you know, ah, oh, well, we disagreed on things, but it's like hockey. You know, you play, you, you fight, and then when the game's done, you have a beer. You know, and I thought, you know, I, I don't know whether it was that genteel or that com- there was that mu- much camaraderie back then, but we certainly like with, – with the passage of time, it certainly looks like a more – it's, it looks like a friendly and more civilized form of political sparring than we see these days, and not just in Canada. Oh, without a doubt. And, you know, going through Twitter and everything, there's all these stories of other politicians, liberals, uh, who've talked about how Brian Mulroney would call them when they're going through a difficult time or when a parent died to just, you know, send his condolences. It's something he didn't have to do. He was out of politics long after that but it just kind of showed the person that he was where he did separate personal and professional and you might disagree with you but that doesn't mean he doesn't like you or he's not going to wish you well or anything like that yeah i want to cap off with one of the favorite photos that i thought you found today and that's a photo of a very young brian mulrooney looking all universityed up in 1956 standing beside a very deep looking john diefenbaker Yes, yeah. So they were uh, they were kind of friends, I guess. You know, very early on, and and Brian Mulroney was kind of a protege of Diefenbaker in a way. Like they did have lunch at his university and things like that. But then in 1967, Brian Mulroney was part of a camp that helped oust Diefenbaker as leader of the Progressive Conservatives. But it's very I really like photos like that where you can see somebody who's going to become prime minister with somebody who's just becoming prime minister and it's this linking of these two eras that are you know separated decades. Yeah, I, you're a great student of Canadian history. I, I guess as we look back on the life and legacy of Brian Mulroney tonight, it's hard not to put him right up there on sort of the Mount Rushmore of, of Canadian of Canadian leaders. I would say so. I would say, you know, he's in the top 10 for sure uh, because of a lot of the things that he did. And again, that's going to depend on who you talk to. Some people are going to put him in the bottom 10, some in the top 10, some will say top five. But he definitely was a very good prime minister. Yeah. Craig, I appreciate your time tonight. Thank you. Oh, thank you for having me. We pay tribute to the late Brian Mulroney, who passed away today at the age of 84, surrounded by his family. The tributes, of course, have been pouring in uh, all day or all night since then. Uh, here is the Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, and his thoughts about Brian he Mulroney. He was committed to this country, loved it with all his heart, and served it many, many years in many different ways. The Prime Minister Justin Trudeau tonight, opposition Conservative leader Pierre Poliev said in a statement that he's thankful for Mulroney's pursuit of free trade and the candid advice he received from the former Prime Minister. Uh, again, you know, he was a towering figure in Canadian politics for such a, for, for such a, perhaps it was a brief period of time uh, as Prime Minister, eight, eight plus years, uh, but it had a legacy that carried on after that. And we've been looking back at that tonight with lots of different people sharing memories uh, of Brian Mulroney. Uh, Stephen LeDrew has some particular memories of, of Brian Mulroney because, of course, he helped um, campaign for John Turner to become leader of the Liberal Party uh, 40 years ago. Now, Pierre Trudeau, of course, resigned on this day 40 years ago. He's a Toronto-based lawyer, political commentator. Uh, he was president of the Liberal Party from 1998 to 2003. Uh, and he joins me now with more on his thoughts about uh, the late Brian Mulroney. Stephen, thank you. 
Great to be with you, Ben. You know, here we were about to talk about the 40th anniversary of, of the resignation of Pierre Trudeau on this day in 1984, which, Pam, we actually played a clip of Brian Mulroney reacting to it last night. And here we are talking about the passing of Brian Mulroney. I mean, what a, it's hard to, what a, what a titan he was. What a, what a, what a, what a large mark he left on our, on our political scene over his eight years in power. Well, there's no question about it. He was a very serious player, not only in Canada, uh, but in the world, you know, I mean, he was uh, he was a great friend of uh, President Reagan, uh, Margaret Thatcher, and uh, and other world leaders, and they respected him. That doesn't often happen, and doesn't always happen with Canadian prime ministers. But they all respected him as as a serious player. He uh, he made a difference. He uh, he took positions, and not always popular, as with uh, Meech Lake. But he, uh, he always had the best interests of Canada at heart. And you can tell that even from when uh, President Reagan died, he was called upon to deliver the eulogy, uh, you know, in, in the Capitol. It was, uh, he was, a, he was uh, someone who made Canada proud, even if he didn't agree with him. And, of course, as, uh, as a liberal, and he as a PC, uh, we didn't always agree, but he was always uh, very, he was always magnanimous with his uh, political opponents. And uh, yeah. after he left office, uh, we used to have uh, a lovely few conversations and some good jokes. Yeah, he was a funny guy. I mean, I don't know if that, that mightn't have been something that came out all the time, but he told fantastic, he was a very, his sense of humor was very dry. Uh, it could be a bit off color, but he was a really funny man. Well, Ben, he was also self-deprecating. One of his favorite jokes, which always brought the house down, was he, after he said, like, I was in a hotel in Toronto. I got into the elevator with a few other people. One woman looked at me. She said, my goodness, you look like Brian Mulroney. And he said, I was glad to be recognized. My chest puffed up. I was filled with pride. And then she looked at me and she said, boy, that must really piss you off. To look like <laughs> I think Brian I've Mulroney. heard that story. <laughs> yeah. I know. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it always brought the house down. He was so self-deprecating. He knew. He was not the most popular guy in the uh, in the elevator or in the room sometimes, but he um, he was always uh, respectful, and uh, we would have some chats when I was president of the Liberal Party, and uh, we had some political battles. Always uh, respectful and always, um, um, you know, he was, he was he was a funny guy. I remember I was in a whole room of Tories at some event at the museum in Toronto. And I had just walked in, and there must have been a thousand Tories there. He says, that here comes through, you know, who has been a thorn in my side for longer than I can imagine. But he's a great guy, and he respects Canada. And all the Tories sort of looked and said, my goodness. You know, I mean, I said, well, we're friends. And, uh, and that's what it was. So you look at him with, with Thatcher, with uh, Mitterrand, president of uh, France, Helmut Kohl, chancellor of Germany. They all uh, respected him, and, and he, um, he served Canada well, even if you didn't agree with him. He served yeah. Canada well. But, uh, you know, he, it uh, harkens back to a different time, doesn't it, Stephen? Because I think even Jean Chrétien was talking about this not long ago. There was a time in politics where, you know, you criticized each other in the House. You mightn't agree on your policies, but when it was all said and done, you know, it was, it was honor. And you sat down and you had a beer together and you, you know, you, you, you sort of settled your differences and treated each other as human beings. And I think although Brian Mulroney left office under a cloud, I mean, by the time he was, 
his uh, he resigned. Obviously, the party was in deep trouble, and they were about to be, you know, sort of fractured. And Chrétien was about to sweep into power, just as Mulroney had swept into power, uh, you know, a decade earlier. Um, but but he did he did really believe in in sort of the there was a certain honor in in politics for him, and he he had the courage of his convictions. And as you mentioned, they weren't always popular when it came to stuff like Meech Lake uh, and the GST and free trade and his close relationship with Ronald Reagan. But he stood by it. He believed in that stuff. And sometimes he wasn't all about the zinger, although he was good at them. He wasn't all about, you know, scoring points. This was real to him. Yeah, it was. And he, um, you know, he, and he would be the first one to acknowledge that he made some mistakes. Um, and uh, but he also would say, you know, if you don't make mistakes, you don't learn anything. And, uh, and he learned from his mistakes. But I think it really is the fact that he was a leader. He made a difference. We've had some prime ministers who are merely caretakers. You know, they're there doing the job. But he made a he made a difference to Canada with free trade. Um, and uh, many people at the time thought it was wrong. I think most Canadians now, Ben, in retrospect, say, well, it was the right thing to do. And uh, he was a deal maker. And uh, it's, just, it's, it's also a, a mark in time that, Ben, he's um, you know, we we lost uh, we lost Turner mm-hmm. last year. Uh, we're losing you know, world leaders, and um, and he, as you say, if you point out to you, Ben, it was a different era. Eighties and the nineties of the last century uh, were a different era, and uh, and that era is gone. And uh, this is uh, another sign of the passing of it. He lost his very close friend Sam Wakem uh, last uh, just last December. Uh, they were roommates at the university together. They spoke, I think, almost every day, uh, no matter what. And, uh, you know, it's the passage of time. They were yeah. What was it like? What, what, I mean, you, you were part of John Turner's leadership, uh, successful leadership bid in 1984. What was the view within the Liberal Party at that point about, about Mulroney as an adversary? Because even when, when, when Trudeau resigned, there's a clip of him back on this day 40 years ago saying, well, the only problem with, with Pierre Trudeau resigning is I don't know who's going to take his place. He's the best candidate that party has, right? And I was wondering what uh, – I mean, he, could be, he, he was quite the political animal at the time, always. Oh, he uh, he always was, but you know, again, you pointed out that you're political animals by day, and you could be friendly or have a beer uh, later on. Um, I used to say in the '90s, well, if the Liberal Party is ever in real trouble in an election, we will pay some organization to invite Brian Mulroney to give a speech in Toronto. We'll give him fifty thousand dollars to pay him to give a speech in Toronto, and we will win every seat. <laughs> because he's giving a speech. I mean, he was, um, he was when he left office, he was in bad shape. And uh, it was great for liberals to be able to point to Brian Mulroney and say, look at that guy. Um, and he knew that. Um, but he understood the game. And, uh, and I think it's just a, it's a sad day. It's a, it's, a, it's a day and a few days of reflection of uh, different politicians Canadian politicians, and you and I were scheduled to talk about Justin Trudeau tonight. We were. And um, all I will say, we'll do it another time because I have lots to say about Justin Trudeau, um, was that, you know, in those days, Canadian prime ministers made a difference and they had standing in the world and they were respected. And that can't be said today about Canadian prime ministers in the world. 
Stephen LeDrew is a Toronto-based lawyer and political commentator. He was president of the Liberal Party for many years. And we're talking tonight about one of his old foes. He was involved in John uh, uh, John Turner's successful leadership in 1984. Of course, he would go on to lose the election uh, that year to Brian Mulroney, who, uh, in a landslide, it was a big victory. That wasn't all John, John Turner's fault. Um is it just is oh, no. when you clearly not when you sat down with with uh, with Mulroney over the years? I was really interested in what became of him because he left. You know, he was unpopular when he left, and then the Bloc Québécois, the fragmentation of of the right into the Reform Party, and then uh, the Bloc Québécois in Quebec, and all the things that kind of grew out of the Mulroney years. And yet, as as he aged, he he was really an Eminence Grise in this country, and he was equally generous with his time to people of all political stripes. I mean, in that sense, he did kind of find himself, find a, a nice niche for himself in retirement. Well, yeah, he did, and he uh, he was. Uh popular on the, in political circles, social social circles, and he, he got around the country. And he also, and, and let's point this out, that I guess, uh, was it last year that the current prime minister was honored at uh, Mulroney's old alma mater in uh, Nova Scotia. And Mulroney put out the most generous statement about the prime minister. And I'm sure, it, well, I know that cheesed off a lot of Tories. They said, well, what are you doing? saying nice things about uh, Trudeau. That's just the way he was. Uh, he said, well, it's a tough job, and uh, you have to respect the man for doing this tough job. Now, on another day, Ben, you and I maybe can have a discussion about all the details of why I, don't, I would disagree with uh, Mulroney. And I told some people that. I said, you know, yeah. I would uh, be very upset if I was in your party and the former prime minister uh, was saying great things about this prime minister. Maybe he's taking my position on it. I don't know. <laughs> it was uh, that just showed Mulroney. He was a you know he was a leader, and he was a I would just say in quotes he was a good guy. He made some mistakes. He'd be the first to admit it. But he loved his family. He loved politics. He loved Canada, and um, he was still serving right until the end. Listen, Stephen, thank you so much for your time tonight. I appreciate it. Well, it's a sad day. Thanks for uh, having me on your show, Ben. And um, and it's we'll all, talk again. Uh, you know, we'll talk again. Give our best to his family. What's your emergency? Ah, I'm on a cruise ship. Ah, there was an explosion. Oh, my God. The ship is sinking. I can't get out. There's water everywhere. We're going down. I've got a lock on your location. Stay with me. Hurry. Hello? Are you there? Help is on the way. Angela Bassett and Peter Krause return in an all-new season of 911 on a new night. Thursday, March 14th on Global. Stream on Stack TV.